Hey everybody and welcome to episode 87 of the Bonehead Podcast where we talk all things Blood Bowl. Welcome back. I'm Ben, and once again, I'm joined by Blood Tithe Ben. How you doing, BT? Hello, hello. I'm back. I had a, a bye week, and the venue has changed. You did have time. you did have a bye week. You have had a venue change. Last week, we dragged kicking and screaming Triple Powell himself, and uh, we didn't let him go. So, Trips, how are you today? I'm all good. I'm like a rolling one. Once you start, you can't stop. <laughs> oh, it's still too soon, Ian. It's still far too soon. That game... I didn't that game. Yeah, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. That always comes haunting, always comes haunting. Anyway, yeah, it's been a really busy month uh, since the last couple of podcasts. Ben, you moved house. We had some tournaments. Mm -hmm. It's been crazy. Uh, the The Bonehead podcast tournament curse continues and we've now got severe weather warnings, which is absolutely <laughs> not a coincidence anymore. I love conspiracy theories, but I am, we, we, you know, I'm convinced that we're living inside one. Um, yeah, I feel like we'll probably talk about that as well. Anyway, guys, uh, what are we talking about on episode 87? Uh, today, we're going to be talking about said Doom tournament, um, <laughs> which was actually a really good time. So <laughs> it was actually fine. Um, no, we'll be pretty much going running through the tournament uh, details, you know, who played what, who won what, which was honestly really good fun. So that's going to take up probably the whole podcast but we'll also have the usual news and hobby too that's right that's exactly right we had two tournaments on one weekend so we're going to do two segments one for each tournament and really just talk about how much fun we had anyway we'll go straight into news Okay, so Blood Bowl news time. In the world of Games Workshop, uh, it's been... I, I don't know, guys. Has it been busy? Has it not been busy? There was a spike. Like, uh, well, there was literally a spike, wasn't there? A spike happened uh, when a spike came out and loads of models got previewed and released and, and awarded. And then uh, and then it really, this year so far, the biggest thing to happen is the Norse preview and the Goblin Star players, right? Have I missed anything else in the last two weeks? Was it the preview, or was it just like uh, they're kind of coming because the Yeti's it? Well, do you know what? Is that we've had accidental some? spill. Well, what the the yeah. Norse bit? Yeah, I mean, with the Goblin Star players, I completely missed. They're up for pre-order yesterday, as the podcast comes out Saturday. So they're up for pre-order now. Trips pointed this out, and I was like, oh, I've missed this. Like, you just I'm just so used to. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just so used to them saying, "Hey, here's a model. You might buy it one mm. day." One day, tell your kids about the Croxagore because they're going to love it, you know. And uh, yeah, but no, Trips pointed out that the Goblins are up for pre-order now and they do come in a pack. Uh, there were some guys who were at the... Did you did you know there was a Blood Bowl event at um, the same weekend as Beachhead? I'd missed was this. That? Yeah. There was a, a Bugman's Brash. Bugman's Warhammer Bash. World, yeah, in Warhammer yeah. World. And um, some of the some of the prizes, I think, or some of the spot prizes, or they, I don't know if that's how Games Workshop work or whether it's just... You can buy this early. But some people picked up the pack and in a blister you get both the Goblin Star players. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is good. Yeah. We, we were waiting to find out whether that was going to be the case or not. Um, we expected it would. Yeah. So that's, that's good. It would have been it would be a bit... Oh, a, a, a oh. pill to swallow, buying one at a time. Yeah. 
I mean, right, but where do you draw the line? I don't want to go into this in undue negativity, but um, you guys have seen the Forge World scroll, right? Yeah. Yeah. He is, he's got less mass than a halfling catcher, less mass than a goblin. Like the goblin with the chainsaw that comes in the three pack, way less resin. Probably way more resin, sorry. Probably less parts. Scroll came in about 13 parts. But I don't know. Mm. This one's all right, where you get two, two for one. That's okay. Buy one, get one free on your Goblin Star players. Is is positive. Anyway, Goblin Stars are out this weekend, but you guys did some digging, and we've got some other bits and bobs kicking around, but it's mostly like stuff that's coming. So one bit was the Vortice Miniatures. Uh, they're doing a Drakenblood Nighters Vampire Kickstarter, and on their Facebook page... There is, and let me just check the screen to make sure that we are, there we go, zoomed in as we can be. Have you guys seen the previews for their vampire team? Oh, is this the Red Dragon Knights? It is, Red yeah. Dragon Red Dragon Knights. Wow, what a load of detail. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That is a really good point, actually. Can I do this? I can do this. So if we zoom are these in. printed or are they resin miniatures? So Vortis recently, Kickstarter-wise, they did the... What was that most? And we're recording. Okay, so at the beginning of the podcast, we said, ha, 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 our events always come with weather warnings. And at one point of view, at one point in time, a global pandemic. Not saying we're responsible, just that the timing of our events falls pretty horribly uh, around... Uh, what did we have? We had floods. We had snow. We had uh torrential heat wave that was brutal that tournament was very yeah. brutal oh that was Bad. that was moist uh, it was uh, yeah <laughs> it was <laughs> it was soggy it was a soggy tournament then we had then we had beachhead where we were all like two years ago we were all kind of looking at the the news about the you know the issue in china and we were like oh wow i wonder what's going to happen there and two years later we're back at beachhead and uh we get severe weather warnings and everyone's like no don't go to school and then um yeah, my power went out in the middle of recording this uh, because I live in the New Forest where we have electricity, but it's mostly powered by wishes. Uh, mm. And my wishes ran out. So we are back and we are talking about vampires. And during the break, we educated Ben on some of the fineries of Judge Dredd and the Death Judges because one of the pieces of art or one of the, the bits of the vampire kit from the Vortice miniatures has properly got a Judge Death helmet. Um I, you've got to question the actual shape of this dude's like actual head, but I mean, he seems it's to be a vampire. Yeah, he's, he seems things. to be doing pretty well. But I think before uh, we were taken off air <laughs> significantly and plunged into darkness for a brief split, terrifying second, um, where just the after image of the podcast was burned into my retinas as I felt around to try and figure out what the heck was going on. We're talking about the level of detail on these, and yeah, I think you guys are right. It's got to be resin got to be resin cast mm -hmm. um the grebo greeblood prints are very detailed but this is i don't know this is like it's again it's not like sculpted um detail so much as it is like texture detail which obviously is still sculpted but Ooh. how well that comes out on that scale and after you've like you've done the masters and you've cast it and things like that and it's you know casting's really good at capturing detail still but you get that really like it's almost is it worth it and when you've painted it, is it really going to show? 
So that's my only concern. I, I'm with you. There's one guy uh, who's holding what looks like the head from the bus in Harry Potter, and on his armor, he's got what can only be described as a 1960s carpet scheme. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think you know, one gentle coat of primer and that's that's probably gone it's all, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you just need to rattle a can of agrax near it and uh all that detail is going to go away that being said detail's good because it does give the option of printing at a higher scale so if you did want these at like you know large scale they're going to scale up beautifully awesome. That's yeah. that's what I was going to say. Is these models with their size and their shapes? And I know we were joking about Judge Dredd, but they've they've got they've got like a real. Um... You guys have been in Forbidden Planet, right? Where you go in yeah. there and you look at all the board games, and then they've got these glass cabinets with a bunch of Batman's that are like eighty five pounds. These guys have got that quality to them in their posing, in the level of detail. Uh, mm. I, I, it's it's incredibly impressive. Um, they're kind of monkeyish, like Simeon in in look. I think the faces are for the vampires. Half, yeah, I kind of see that. Half lizard, half thing. I don't know. I, I like it. You can definitely tell it's Vortice, but I mean, if you look at the work they did with the Tomb Kings one, and then look at this, there is some some leveling up here. Like this is what unnecessary sculpting quality. Uh, the Vortice stuff before was kind of uh, novelty. This is definitely the top top tier, and I mean, yeah. if you yes. if you wanted a vampire team now, that's this looks like straight to the top of the pile of, yeah. of options. As long as they come out like that, and you're willing to, well, even spend if they... a lot of time painting trim, <laughs> yeah, yeah, ah, just a bit of a dry brush, it'll be fine. Um, you know, the Punga vampires, awesome stuff, but this yeah, is it. Like this is a very different army. So you guys called it out that it's the, the Red Knight vibe, and it definitely looks like if you're an old-school Warhammer Fantasy battle player, this is... Um, what's the, the, red, the Red Dragon's bloodline? Uh, it's really quite cool. Really cool. Uh, we don't know any specifics on when the Kickstarter's going live or anything like that, and we'll do our best to try and get a hold of some of the models ahead of it, see if we can't do a video review, because the team is looking pretty cool so far. Uh, and, yeah one to watch i guess next up on the list we had brute fun with the minotaur ben that you stumbled across the other day is that right uh yeah yeah so i saw him upload this on reddit um and i had to share it it's it's definitely i mean he said minotaur star player big grashnak vibes from him i got i saw the classic large shoulder pad and things like that oh yeah but my word as minotaurs go as you said, trips for the other one that thinks straight to the top of the pile. I think this is so good. It's so Blood Bowl. It's so on theme. Absolutely nailed it. And I know we like Brew Fun. We had him on the podcast a couple yeah. of episodes ago. He's, John's um, awesome. Awesome sculptor. Really like your hobbyist. And <laughs> what this is he, just great to see. Why did you, what did you say? Like, what did you say the reason was that he sculpted this? We wanted uh, a break from the high elves. Oh, yeah. Just... Wanted a break from the high elves. I'll have He's a break like, yeah. and just knock out a minotaur. I'll just, yeah, board of sculpting it's elves like for the now. The best minotaur that exists. Yeah. For blood this is this is really, really, really cool. Now, this is what? $3.50, $3.50. And um, I bought the STLs this morning. I was going to get them on print, but then I realized I actually ran out of gloves. So I, I had to wait for my Amazon delivery to turn up. Um, and the file's called Grash. So. Oh, is it called Grash? Yeah, okay, the yeah. actual individual <laughs> STLs are called Grash, and I was like, yeah, absolutely bang on. So, we'll <sighs> Brute Fun does excellent models. They fit with the Blood Bowl vibe really, really well on. 
it's not difficult to find good 3D uh, STL of minor tools. There, there are billions of this them. This is true. But this has just got, I think you guys got it. He's got the shoulder pads. He's got that Blood Bowl vibe. This will fit in perfectly with the Chaos team. Like, actually, like this will fit in with the Chaos team probably better than the Jason Statham Games Workshop one. I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, it's, yeah, yeah really kept, got Chaos team vibe. Now, I'm very glad that when we interviewed John, we did ask him, like, how much would it take? Like, are you if Games Workshop offered you a job? Would you pay, would you take it or not? And he said, no, I would not. So the good thing is, we'll have a, we'll have at least have have John free for a while until Games Workshop come along <laughs> and gazumping. Anyway, yeah, this is an STL only file. So if you are a three D printer, you can grab it. It is not supported. I think you'll have to support it yourself. Um, but generally, what happens on on Reddit is someone supports it and then shares it back with them and says, hey, I've supported this. It works really yeah. well. Please, you know knock yourself out that's what happened i think with the black hawk team um i'm really waiting for that to happen with the lizard man team i've supported them myself and they've been okay but man it's just easier feeling i just love i just like to play print things tetris i think more <laughs> more than i like to play uh architect um but yeah cool bit of news there from brute fun then we had uh wire games or wire games um spelt like gaia with a w used to be wa games and they're working on an amazon team at the moment and they've been sharing some of their sculpts and there's a couple of bits in there that i really like the look of you've seen the one with the 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 skull face on what is appears to be a thrower yeah what looks sort of the bird skull like the yeah. avian sort of skull yeah, yeah. it looks like a yeah. big crow skull this is looking pretty good and amazons can fall into the trap of being very tropey I think is probably the polite way of saying it. Mm -hmm. um, and these look like feral people. They, you know, they're not completely ridiculously dressed. They look like they're jungle warriors in every kind of way. Oh, and they're supporting yeah. the NAF bid from uh, Alicante in Spain, which is interesting. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's cool. We'll have to talk about the NAF World Cup in a second. But yeah, um. This is looking pretty good. I'm going to give uh, give them a shout, see if, again, if we can get hold of some of these models and when it comes around to the Kickstarter, because we've had a look at the last two of theirs. Their casting quality, I've found to be excellent. And assuming this is going to be like they've done with their other Kickstarters, then the models are going to come out looking exactly like the sculpts. And if the sculpts are your style, then this is pretty good. And, I mean, how do you guys feel about this? We, we've seen the spoiler for Norse. And with Games Workshop's release schedule, that makes me feel way safer about picking up an Amazon team. It makes me way more interested. I I agree. It's like we we figured, we've definitely said before, I think if they weren't going to do two teams, it would be Amazon and Norse, just because of the sort of real world connotations and things like that. It's still based, based on like culture and that might be a dangerous thing to touch. But now they're doing Norse. Um, yeah, I think we'll definitely see Amazon at some point in the future. I don't know if either team are going to be the same as they are. Like we've, a Norse might be a bit different. Amazon's might be a bit different. So there's that little skepticism in my mind yeah. of like, if I do get an Amazon team now, is it going to be the same Amazon team? Um, but I think there's probably nothing that they will change, which will make it drastically different than yeah. just, you know, if they add a new position, it'll give a different, give one a different color t-shirt or something. Yeah. That's works, but it, you've always got the base edge technique as well. We just paint the color of the, the edge and the, 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 you know, the color of the base edge. Um, on the bedge. What do you reckon, Trips? The bedge. Paint the bedge. Well, I think if you're going in on a, a team that hasn't been updated, it's best to get as much and as many of the the positionals and as you can, because you can then, yeah, as you said, play around with it if they do tweak the team. If you go for a 
simple 11 or 13 players, you are going to get caught probably by a positional switcheroo. Yeah, somewhat but limited. Those minis look really nice and they're really well done. We've seen a lot of Amazon teams that are maybe not quite as family friendly. These ones look uh, very safe to uh, play in uh, all, in all environments. And at Beachhead, we did see a couple of, we see sort of quite a few Amazon teams. And um, mm. I think we, did we see an Amazon team piloted by a little Amazon of our own? I think one of the days. Yeah. yeah. And that's cool. And that's, that's something that actually I think is quite important is having a team that speaks to people, but does so in a, in a, in a way that is a, a good representation of the family friendly fun that killing people on a blood ball pitch is all about. Um. <laughs> strange society but i'm on board with it looking like a pretty cool one so you're gonna have to keep an eye out for that from wire games wire wire i can't get it right uh gaia with a w <sighs> right like where where succubus right. studio they're the guys who did that really uh, kind of the infamous vampire team now haven't they um and mm. they have put out i don't know if we've seen any of the models yet but there is a no, no models yet. Sylvan's team coming, which very much looks like it's going to be Wood Elves, with a hint of Batman Forever. Um, in there. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, Wood Elves and cheerleaders by the looks of things. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. There is a there is a there is another Wood Elf team that's kicking around. I just saw it during the power cut actually because i was flicking through i didn't take a note of where it was but the there was two catchers and they were um like oh what's the goat people but not beastmen like half elf with goat legs satyr satyr oh yes yeah, yeah, yeah. satyr i don't know how to say it but yeah they look like them. i don't know if it's going to be the sylvans team or not but there might be another wood elf team kicking around um but okay again one to watch so that's what like three four kickstarters we've got to keep an eye out for and there's one more we've got on the list as well which is the uh, the chibi bowl from akaro dice this i, I mean uh, this is definitely in the same market as the grebo uh, miniature stuff isn't it yeah this looks like um a little bit of a little bit of fun completely out of scale deliberately miniatures with huge heads um, bit more cartoony, yeah. It's... Yeah, it prob- definitely market for it. Uh, this okay. If if I if I if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, "What does this look like?" The best way I can describe this, there's, there's two ways to describe it. The first would be to say, um, if Clash of Clans was Blood Bowl, this is the kind of thing I think most of these guys here would fit in nicely on one of the TV adverts. Um, and ah, oh, what's that? What was the little chibi game? The little uh, Simon game that had little chibi dudes running around. Arcadia Quest? Like that kind oh, of... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that... yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Super fun. Dungeon Explore. That kind of chibi vibe. Uh, and I don't know. I think it's fun. I mean, we've got the uh, the animal teams from Grebo, the cutie mall teams that kind of go for this cartoony, over-exaggerated size. And the chibi team here, especially with the little group dude, um and the little ogre I, I i think this is really cool i think this is a really interesting way to kind of i can see this being quite popular with with younger players like you get a little chibi that sevens was, team just thinking that i was thinking uh wonder if i can uh, persuade a, a nearly four-year-old that this is 
thing to get her into Blood Bowl. Ah, <laughs> oh, the little chibi troll slayer is amazing. Look at that. Oh, I like that. I think that's quite cool. I, I'm actually quite excited for this. This is just it's a it's a really cool thing. There's a new style for Blood Bowl. There is there's there's some of the the animals, the cuter wolves teams, and things like that. But actually, the great thing about Blood Bowl is you can use anything. You can even use a Lego, right? You can use basically any model. And this is like another cool style. Um, yeah, I, I'm I've not seen any Akaro teams before, so it might be. I don't know what the price point's going to be, but I don't know. What do you guys reckon? Uh, I, I got no. I think I, yeah, I'm, I'm the same with you. I've I've not seen one before. I think if this is if all the models shown here is like the full Kickstarter, it's probably not going to be too much. Yeah, it'll be. I, mean, I think, think it's a lot. I mean, I've, I've got the the Leprechaun team myself, and they're a bit of fun. Uh, is it a no, 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 but it's that style, isn't it? That that over-exaggerated, oh, okay. chibi yeah. style. Um, yeah, that's cool. And again, another one to keep an eye out for. Uh, there's just a lot kicking around, which I think is really, really, really cool. We were just, just saying that while you were uh, uh, putting 50p in the meter again. Is <laughs> that's plugging the, the wires back in. <laughs> about Blood Bowl is... You very rarely see people turn up with the same teams because there are just so many third-party teams that are really good, um, and that makes it a really bit of fun when you you see a tournament full of teams and you spend most of your time looking at what people have done rather than uh, how bad they're bashing you. You're right. I mean, with the strength, with the strength and the selection of third-party teams out there, I actually think it's a huge testament to Games Workshop when you see multiples of a type of one of their teams. Uh, like the Snotling team is, you know, you will see multiples of that team because I don't think there is a Snotling team out there that's better than it. But almost every other race, someone's got like an alternate sculpt they like. If you're a Skaven player, you're always kind of iron out for other Skaven stuff. If you're like Black Orcs, you might be running Brute Fun or Grebo. If you're like Dwarves, there's a hundred different Dwarf teams. So it's... It's really cool, and it's a bit of a testament when they pull it off. But yeah, having those different ones is really, really cool. So a uh, couple of bits. <laughs> this one's great. I like this. A couple of bits to go over. Uh, there is a tournament down the road from us called the School of Hard Blocks. This is being run by a guy called Travis, or Duffins, who won our Stunty Cup at uh, Bonvember, actually goblin mad person this uh, so hey ben and friends first i'd like to share my appreciation for the bonehead podcast thanks for the entertainment you provide via your many podcast episodes and videos can i be very very cheeky and ask for a short plug of my first blood bowl tournament school of hard blocks tournament one taking place in blocksworth social club dorset from 10 o'clock in the morning on saturday the 12th of march uh it's one day um, no you can't yeah oh definitely can <laughs> definitely um <laughs> It's a bit of a surprise we don't get more people asking to share their tournament info. Yeah. Feel free, because it's like, yeah. we, we love to see, like, Hugely. honestly. Uh, no. And we and, may and be able to come. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, we'd, if, we, if we don't know about it and we're free, we might end up being there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Right, £15 for a ticket, 1.15 million with 160k for skills. No tiering and no star players except for stunty teams. 
Um, Duffins goes on to say it's not in Toyment, but it is at least in the south of England. For an idea where Bloxworth Village is, it's roughly halfway between Poole and Dorchester. I've got the link for Talk Fantasy Football where it's on, uh, which is in the show notes below. Um, but this was pretty cool. The clincher is that I'm making crochet goblins, ogres, and such as special prizes. And I've got a I've got a picture here as well. Um, if that's not the sort of thing you guys do, then no biggie understand. I thought I'd ask regardless, but would love to get some more people down there, maybe even yourselves. At the very least, I got to share my appreciation of the podcast. Many thanks, Travis. Awesome. I mean, we love tournaments, so this is great to see and great to hear, especially if it's only down the road. Now, I cannot make it because I will get murdered by my wife because on <clears> the 5th, uh, I'm playing Heresy, I think potentially and then on the 19th playing dungeon bowl all day with at least milton so if i yeah three blood bowl weekends in a row uh I, mm, yeah risky yeah i know can't be risking that but i got a picture of the crochet goblins and ogres up here and it's just so good uh so i won't be able to come but we can probably get some prize support down there um so i will drop i'll drop travis a message because it's a very cool thing to have and it's great to see more Blood Bowl tournaments. Um, I don't know, March the 12th, 1.15 with 160k for skills, with no tiering and no star players. What would you guys take in that? Well, that's, that's basically a 1300 TV team at that point, with 1.15 for buying mm. stuff and then skills. I always find that oh, that's quite a lot of money, actually. Skaven, do Skaven and Underworld. But then you don't get Hackflem, so Underworld don't need that much money. Skaven do really well at 1500, at 1150. You get a full whacker team, three rerolls, thrower, four gutters, and a roger for 150 on top. So 1.15 Skaven. I mean, I'm obviously inclined to go Skaven, but that gets you the roger. And then you get 160k skills, which is a couple of block gutter runners. Accurate. Thrower. I'm thinking also. Uh, I know I'm pretty yeah. probably because it's the most, most recently I'm familiar with, but um, nobility at that point is really good because I'm pretty sure you can get every position at that point. You're, normally, if you want to take an ogre, you're giving up a couple of bodyguards, but mm. with all of that money, I think you can get the lot. Yeah. Uh, can you? So that can you? Afford, you might not be able to afford the third reroll, but then you can always just have a leader caddy to chuck yeah, it in exactly. on there. Yeah. So the troll, yeah. four four wrestlers, four blockers two throwers, two to three rerolls, and then you've got the leader caddy there as well, which is only going to be 20k, giving you seven mm. skills to put around. That's a couple of guard. That's guard on the ogre as well. That's obviously kick. Yeah, I like that. That's a pretty good tournament level. That'd be really interesting to see how that goes. What team would you take, Trips? Ooh, Trips, I've lost your volume. I've lost your voice. Maybe we'll turn the mute off. That will help. <laughs> um, uh, the phrase of the, of the nowadays. I I think nobility is a good call because I think the skills package could really help them. Um, I'd be quite tempted with no stars to see what kind of inducement package some of those stunty teams could rack up because actually they might really be able to to get a little bit of everything. Um, but the stunties can still take still take stars, stars, stars. Still take the stars, yeah. can't they? Which is um, difficult because you can run a really solid snotling team, eleven fifty. Um, yeah, eleven fifty. You can still run hack flam and everything. That's basically what I took to um to Sandball last year. 
maybe 50k less so one less bribe or something you, uh, you can be pretty pretty competitive um i think an ogre team potentially at that oh, kind of value yeah you could you could really fill an ogre team out nicely You'd probably go with a full ogre build and uh still have uh, some players to actually do some ball movement with yeah like and the thing is you can't you can't spam block anyway this is that yeah only maximum of skill uh, one skill twice so if you're sacrificing that yeah you may as well do it on a string 15 absolutely 40k for doubles though it means you only get four doubles across your team i don't know it's intriguing i love roster building and we're going to come to and talk about uh, a bunch of the most successful rosters from our tournaments at the weekend but before we move on uh just want to say a massive thank you to everybody out there who supports us whether it's by watching our videos liking subscribing and doing all the youtube things that it is an absolute meme um but we appreciate your support or one of the myriad of people who jump on patreon and support us in there so new patrons for this week we got sven lemkul uh, michael bullman david fitchett david anchors chris twedle cryptic chimera andres timmel trevor turner cotter bap grave the god of chuck which is probably the coolest uh patron name we've got so far uh catherine peterson jeremiah roberts david priest i'm assuming that's of the priest clan uh the priest pack uh tom and ben smith so massive thank you to everybody out there who supports us it means that we can do all the stuff that we do and talking about all the stuff that we do let's take a quick break and go into hobby and we'll talk about the stuff that we do and the stuff that we've done <laughs> just get a really bad mask and, and no one will recognize you it'd be great and then you could <laughs> post about it on instagram a lot I'm not, I do not care at all about, about, um, like celebrities, but this is something I have definitely been following the last few weeks because it is just so, I just, what Kanye's absolute descent into chaos. <laughs> I feel really bad for him. Um, even oh, though he could he buy, so I know, but you know, I, like, I always believe that there is a reason no. if someone does something stupid, there has to be a reason why at some point they must've thought this is the right thing for me to do for some reason. I don't know what grenade he's jumping on. So many steps along the way. Someone, it's when someone should have said, is this the best? No one's, no one's ever told him. No. Yeah. That's the trouble. No one's ever said, Connie, maybe you shouldn't do that. <laughs> he's so been living like... in a Cardassian world. It's not yeah, real. So... It's just, I think it's, I just think it's amazing. I really suddenly do. Stuff isn't going, suddenly stuff isn't going his way and he's just like, what is this? I, I'm not in control. Yeah. So good. So good. Just makes me think of South Park. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> that, that old Keshul rendition. Yeah. Too good. Yeah. He, just, he loves fish fingers. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay, crew. You happy to move on to hobby? Yeah, let's do it. All right. And we're back, and it is hobby time, and it's been a pretty, I don't know, this, these two weeks has just been, like, laser quick, which is not surprising, but have you guys got any hobby in, or any games, or any stuff? What have you been up to? Ben, you better talk about the house in this segment, honestly. Tri- uh, uh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, did get a new place, which is awesome, <laughs> loving it, still moving in, um, but as a result... Hobby has really taken a hit. Like, I haven't painted anything in, like, a month now? Over a month? Which is... <laughs> yeah, usually usually a, a hobby at least, you know, a few nights a week. But, yeah, it's... it's. 
I'm missing it. So I want to get back into the swing of things. So we've been we had a big chat today about the dungeon bowl stuff that's coming up. Yes. Um, I was assembling a College of Fire roster, so I had a little test scheme on the on the stream a few weeks back, and I'm going to apply that to a set of models which we've kind of we worked through together, and it's, we're going to use some is it artisan guild models? Yeah, absolutely um, love them. And yeah, so assembling a team through those, which are you know. They've got a consistent uh, theme and design. It's quite a bit different. It'd be quite interesting to paint something different. But uh, I'm putting those on the build plate, and I'm going to get these printed after the podcast because right. I'm excited to get back into printing as well. Ben so. is going to 3D print some models for the first time this year, uh, right? Easy this year. <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, since about, like, October, I think. <laughs> so, no, yeah. wicked. How about you, Trips? I know you've been doing some hobby today. Uh, I have definitely been doing some hobby. So I finally finished my Stormcast miniature that was our November paint challenge. We oh, yeah. gave each other a miniature to paint and it uh, took me uh, three months to get around to starting it and then two more months to get around to finishing it. So I did that, finished it, based it, really pleased with it. Uh, have a bad feeling that that might not be the only Stormcast I end up owning. So I should blame Milton for that one. Yeah, I'm just looking in the background uh, on your, your shelf to see if there's uh, if there's any Stormcast boxes appearing just yet. Mm. Yeah, yeah, not <laughs> not yet. Maybe in a few days' time. <laughs> um, uh, behind the door there are are my printers, and both have a a rest uh, for the start of twenty two. They are both up and going. Uh, so I have uh, printed out some. Uh, accessories for Warcry, some storage boxes and details so I can store my cards and, and at least have an idea of where they are. And the last couple of days, I have also been Dungeon Bowl roster creating. Yes. Um, and I've been using the West uh, Cross miniatures for a, a truly beefy College of Death. Well, mm. um, well definitely not little. Uh, uh, flesh golems, <laughs> wraiths, and uh, mummies that uh, need sizing up galore. I love the West Cross mini stuff. Ooh, I love the way this uh, this little box of 3D printed stuff smells too. That's going to be fun later. Uh, yeah, the West Cross Kickstarter was awesome. The mummies are great. I realized I printed a bunch off in different scales. I probably should have shared that information with you before. I... Yeah, sorry about that, Trips. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that would have been handy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. he was just saying like yeah. two like an hour ago i was just like oh yeah i should probably scale these up and you've got a whole bunch of things <laughs> yeah. i did i did scale i scale everything up in fact well, except for this guy this is wicked actually trips if it wasn't for you i would have probably had to print another one of these out uh but this is going to be my blood spawn for my dungeon bowl thing it's one of the only from artisan guild this is all tied in nicely oh good stuff good box oh nice it's got some great stuff nice. in here Ooh. Ah, oh, that's where all the offshoots go for my 3D printing stuff. I'll get round to painting People that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least it's tidied in the box. Bad smelling box of resin. Bad smelling. Mm. It smells like creation. It's like oh, a it's box. Awful. It's like a it's box awful. of Big Bang. Yeah, no, it's not a good smell. Tiff gets really angry when I come back in. If I first, I don't know if you guys are the same at trips. I imagine you are still doing things exactly properly when it comes to 3d printing i started off like right now let's change the jumper now i'll just have my big like scotland jumper on shout out to milton stranded in scotland right now uh like a nice bit of knitwear and i'll go out there and i'll come back in and i'll just absolutely smell of spirits and resident if we'll just be like 
it sticks. Yeah, it, it really yeah. does stick to you. Um, yeah, I would fully recommend a air filter close to the printer to suck all of those smells out of the air. And I can get away with one literally in the house, in the room. And yeah, a little bit of fresh air, filter on. That is, print to your heart's content and you don't you have to get sent outside. That is wise. Mine's in the shed at the end of the garden next to the uh, neighbour's property and it is 100% a fire risk, but it's probably fine. And I'm so glad I didn't put a print on today. I was going to put a print on, but I got distracted by Lost in Space and uh, never did. But you know what? With the power going out, I don't know how that would have affected that print. I don't know whether it would have killed the print or not. Everything happens for a reason, maybe, sometimes. So we've got a lot of Dungeon Ball stuff going on. I've been working on my College of Beast roster. I am still torn. I think the Minotaur is a great thing to have in Dungeon Ball because that Strength 6 Frenzy Blitz, I think, is going to be massive against other teams like to like one-up the Kaiju combat. But at the same time, I really do like the idea of a Bloodspawn because there's going to be a lot of claw victims in a dungeon. And I think Strength 5 frenzy claw against a lot of blocker heavy a blocker heavy environment it's going to be pretty invaluable too um so i don't know but shout out to david uh was it david no it was graham pickett i think who was talking about uh college of beasts with three croxagor roster uh, i hadn't considered how great the croxagors would be bonehead means they're doing everything on two plus so you don't have the four plus trying to move them difficulty and prehensile tail means that stunties and the little nippy dudes who are running around get that negative modifier. So actually putting, you know, in a tunnel, strength five dude with armor 10 plus, they've got what? Thick, I think they've got thick skull as well, but that prehensile tail means that you, like the, the, the smaller, slighter colleges cannot get by them. And I'm like, ooh, this is really tempting. So the Really good point. Yeah. So I was like, oh, three, three Croxagore build would be great fun. Can use the brute fun Croxagores. But I, I, I balanced it out so that I can get either a Bloodspawn or um, a Minotaur in there. Or I just give the Bloodspawn horns and make him like a super death beast. Yeah, okay. He's got horns. He's got horns. That'd be fine. That's oh, a cool model. I love artisan guilds. So loads of Dungeon Bowl stuff going on. Um, the rest of the, the, the hobby I did was getting ready for the tournament checking out over a hundred rosters making sure stuff was all lined up and then yeah i don't think it went too bad and we'll go into a bit of a deep dive in that in a second but other than that guys anything fun going on with you guys that silence Oops. Uh, and just um not not much to else Get, getting ready for the tournament was good fun that tournament itself uh Finally sorting all the hobby stuff out, so everything has a home now, so now I know where things are meant to be. Uh, they'll still not live there. Um, <laughs> and, and still not touch the dice in three weeks, so uh, oh, I'm still yeah. staying well away from rolling. Uh, yeah, that game we played was was outrageous, and then the game I played after you, I, I had some... It was not as bad, but there was some, there was some, some triple pow, triple one disaster stuff there, and I was like, oh no. Oh no, what's happened? This has been crazy. So yeah, we are one week out from being on the last match of the Bonehead Championship. Ian Warhanam Hannam is coming back on next week to finish wrapping up that recording. So that'd be good. So next weekend, the last game will be out. And uh, it's probably no massive spoiler. We're all working on Dungeon Ball teams 
for a reason because we will be moving into dungeon bowl afterwards because it's just such a good format we've got a dungeon bowl tournament coming up it's just a great way to play so it seemed like a really good way to uh just show off some of the fun stuff but i think that is about everything that's been going on hobby wise i guess it's time to talk about beachhead y'all And we're back, and I'm back from yet another power cut. So this is going to be quite an interesting segment. Let's see if we can power through. So we just got to experience our biggest tournament yet. It was two days. Well, it wasn't really two days. It was two separate tournaments joined together because there was a two-day game convention called Beachhead at the Bournemouth International Centre. And we got to go and run a couple of awesome Blood Bowl events uh, on behalf of Entoyment and everything like that. And trips was uh, drafted in to be our additional TO support and straight away guys before we move on I just say we could not have done the tournament without both of you you were absolutely brilliant trips just kind of took over organizing making sure that we were doing what we were supposed to be doing uh, Ben was the scoremaster <laughs> yeah we get distracted we tendency to yeah go off the rails uh, get distracted get excited run around and uh it was so good it, it was so much fun and it was it was pretty crazy it was pretty crazy um I ran the numbers earlier and i think there was about 80 tickets sold for the saturday and about 60 something tickets sold for the sunday there was quite a lot of covid dropouts the week coming into it um so i think had 120 rosters in about that um, and we ended up having 62 players on the Saturday, Ben, and 44 yep. on yep. the Sunday. Yeah, so we 40... had... No, it was 44. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had, like, 50-something sevens rosters and uh, 79, I think, 11s rosters through. Yeah, it's it awesome. Like, really good. And the difficulty here with Beachhead going into it was... Do you guys remember just before Christmas? And I mean, just before Christmas, I was on some calls that were looking at actually what happens if the government says you have to close stuff again because COVID was getting mm. gnarly and there was a whole lot of, is this a good idea? Can we do this? Is it going to get pulled? And we still had over 100 teams across the two days and just like that turnout was amazing. Saturday was 11s, three rounds, and Sunday was four rounds of sevens, which I maintain is the best format ever. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the format of the 11s tournament, um, the outcomes, look at some of the top rosters, look at the team breakdowns and just talk through how the event went. So, guys, let's should we, should we delve into the 11s and then we'll begin. So, let's go. OK, so Beachhead Bowl was uh, three rounds. We had two hour rounds for each of them and the build was quite low. It was 1.1 million um there was tiering and tier one got five primary skills tier two got four primary and two secondary and tier three got five primary and two secondary skills so a little bit bigger i think than one of our previous tournaments but still quite what we wanted was a format that was not crazy we knew the tournament we knew the hall because this is the second time we've done this and the event was much bigger our tournament was much bigger, but it's a busy environment and we want people to be able to come and play quite simple Blood Bowl. So without any, you know, without too crazy rules, we love crazy rules and silly stuff. 
but we wanted to make it accessible for everybody whether you just started playing blood bowl whether you're experienced vet whatever so we went with a kind of limited skill package and the only fancy thing you could buy was a giant star players were allowed but no wizards nothing mercenaries just the giant and uh, we had to adjust the team tiers with the with the november faq so high elves norse and underworld were tier one human corn uh, orc old world alliance and oh, demons of corn no oh, demons of corn got gone actually they were banned by the naf so we are one team down we went up to 30 for a brief period of time and then demons of corn got removed um so that was the the format of the event now i think my next slide we've got the actual outcomes here so i mean it's just did you guys think we'd have 60-something players on the Saturday, first of all? Uh, only because you had been saying, oh my god, there's so many people coming, how are we going to do this? <laughs> I didn't anticipate that many to, to turn up, to be honest, because of, of, like you say, COVID. It was it. I think Christmas birth. time, I think we were thinking like 30, maybe 40 mm -hmm. players. Like that would, be, that would be good. As it started to get closer and you started sharing the numbers, it, it started to become... Almost a practical issue where you start to go. It's, that's quite a few tables. That's that's a lot of lot of teams. It's a lot of blood bowl. Yeah. So we we didn't really push it massively on the channel. I don't think. Like what we'd like to do for our events beforehand is show off the prizes, show off the trophies, show off the loot. You know, garner some interest. But because we didn't, frankly, we just didn't know if the event was going to go ahead or whether it was going to be limited. Um, yeah, I think Trips, you're right. I think we were thinking something in the lines of 30 to 40 people, same as what we had last time two years ago, would have been absolutely brilliant. But the fact we sold nearly 80 tickets for Saturday alone was awesome. And I am I'm so excited. I'm so hoping that next year we can top 100 because I think it would be absolutely amazing. However, I am super chuffed that we had that many people sign up and that many people still turn up as well because we had a ton of drops with COVID, with everything, because people travelled from... We had one dude um, who was due to travel from Germany, made the right decision not to just because of all the stuff that was going on. Um, we had people come across from... What was it? Was it Jersey or Guernsey? Um, Jersey. Yeah. Yeah absolutely amazing you know gary came down it was really cool it was a really great mix of people who've been involved in the channel people who are always on the on the commenting on the videos and stuff it, it was just it was wicked along with the old employment regulars and it was just I, I just thought that the turnout was absolutely amazing um and oh i've, I've skipped too far ahead we're not going to go through the results we're going to do the team breakdowns first i think is probably the right way to do this um but yeah i mean we've not run a tournament that had that many people in before uh we weren't expecting to it's really difficult to try and gauge like the prize level and stuff like that pete and the entoyment crew they were very up for us having a load of good stuff for a load of good coaches so here we go we've got the bonehead beachhead bowl 2022 breakdown of teams now so we had 62 teams on the saturday we had five black orc five necromantic four amazon and dwarf uh four orcs four snotlings and four underworld three halflings skaven undead two chaos chosen two dark elf two human two corn two lizardmen two norse two ogres uh elf union goblin high elf nobility nurgle old world alliance renegades slan and vampire 26 out of the 29 teams were uh, there 
that turned up, uh, which means what were the missing teams um, out of those? Who did Chaos we not Dwarf. see? Yeah, Chaos Dwarves. And Wood Elves. Yeah. yeah, I was quite surprised that Wood Elves didn't make it on the uh, on the Saturday. A weird one for to be missing, but I guess if you're going to pass the ball, Elven Union are better. If you're going to bash and screen, Dark Elves are better. Uh, so I guess in that sort of way, I I, I understand. Um, okay, so from a breakdown point of view, we had a great mix of teams, a really great mix of teams. How did you were you guys surprised by the mix that we had? I was I was uh, really surprised by how varied it was. To have no no single race with more than five was really good, and and I, I'm not sure people were playing any repeat matches during the day, which is part of the fun of coming to a tournament. <laughs> I think in round two, I went around and at one point there was Dwarf versus Dwarf, Norse versus Norse, Blackhawk versus Blackhawk, like all lined up together. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, what are the chances? And apparently one in 62 of most of that. Uh, you know, I liked it. One of the things that I think I really did like about this breakdown, and sorry, Ben, I'm just sharing this with you. Um, was the tier breakdown. So we had 25 tier 1, 27 tier 2, and 10 tier uh, 3. So it was 40% of the field was tier 1, and 43% of the field was tier 2. Now, we like to have a little bit of, um, you know, extra incentive for the other tiers. And I think, actually, the fact that it landed with an even split between those tiers meant that, actually, tier 2 stuff was worth taking. And, you know... Spoiler alert, when we look at the winners, Tier 2 did pretty well, but not from a landslide point of view. Um, and I guess the other thing to talk about is star players. So how many star players do you think we had on day one, on Saturday? Bearing in mind, we had 62 teams. Total uh, star. I thought it was going to be quite high. I thought with a 1.1... And as one of this, I was expecting about seventy-five percent of the teams to have stars. That's what we've seen a lot of. But we ended up with, I think, twenty-one teams out of the sixty-two were taking stars. Uh, I think it was either twenty or twenty-one. I've included giants in there as star players. So we had twenty-seven stars slash giants on the day across twenty or twenty-one teams which meant one in three teams was running a star. And, okay, let's give it Let's give it another one. Ian, can you guess the top star player on the day? Most frequent uh, in a roster. Uh, it has to be Hackflem, surely. Okay. Ben, any advances on Hackflem? The ones I saw. I saw a couple of Griffs, I think. Yeah. Carla, Hackflem, Creek and Morg at three. Two Griffs, two Giants. Two acorns. There were some great rosters kicking around there. Oh, there were, yeah. yeah. Uh, corn with acorn is a, a roster that is just genius. Uh, we had a Grack. We had a Chaney. We had a Glorial, which was a very cool build. We had a Galat, Varag, Borak, Fungus, Black Gobbo, and Helmet. The Black Gobbo and Helmet were in the same roster. And uh, nice. yeah, we'll look at that roster in a second because I thought it was genius. But no, really, I mean, awesome. Uh, that's huge because we like in in was it the last one we ran in Bonehead Bowl, which was like there was a lot of Hackflame, a lot of uh, Cheney. Yeah, 
yeah Cheney was very prevalent those two were really really mm. popular because they're game changing so I don't know if people have one just border stars or two the fact that Hackflem's price went up is actually restricting the amount of times it could be taken if that is the case well it seems to be working like it seems to have worked out all right and if we move on to the Beachhead 11's results, so this is uh, on the screen, what we've got here now is a cut from score on the day. There's a couple of bits in there that we needed to go in and correct. Um, a couple of rosters I written down wrong. Um, and I think the high off one might have been one of the ones there because the team was called the, the Calador something. And I'm like, well, it's got to be high elves. But it, it was not. That was me being... Uh, that was me just just wrong just straight up wrong yeah it was it was so uh top rosters we had wayne peters gimli 01 uh beachhead did it again this is both beachheads he's won now crazy and but he, but he won it due to basically playing awesome defensive blood bowl he didn't i didn't i think he let conceded one touchdown or no touchdowns. zero zero um and with a point for perfect defense well that was yeah. that was his three points that that yeah. snuck him the win so uh the rule mm -hmm. set was 30 points for a win uh plus one bonus point for t per touchdown and per casualty up to three of each and then there was a perfect defense benefit in there that if you held your opponent to zero touchdowns you get an extra bonus point that was to keep the slower teams in the running so you nurgle dwarves kemri the teams that win the one nil grind actually it gets that extra bonus plus you get a blowout if you 3-0 somebody you actually get four points so it'd be 34 points on that one and yeah ian you called it the fact that wayne went and got 106 points four touchdowns to nothing on the day so not high scoring so that's two one nils and a single two nil 10 to 5 casualties solid attack there just good tight play so wayne was running no star player um and I tell you what, let's just read out the the top roster bits, and then we can actually go in and have a look at the rosters because this is oh, this is the thing I love about tournaments is having a look and seeing because every team can win in Blood Bowl. We've all been there, right? We're a team that you just like mm, this one's disadvantaged. It doesn't matter. You can still get ruffle stomped by the dice and by solid play. So Wayne Peters with Orcs came first. Joe Callender, Joe Solo um, with Halflings came second. Second place for Halflings, which is cool. Simon Warrener with Chaos Renegades. Chris Tamblin with Underworld. And Owen Crossweller, Orkster with Slan there. So Slan in the top five. So we've got Tier 2, Tier 3, Tier 2, Tier 1, Tier 2 in the top five. Great mix. Uh, Stephen Padley with Orcs. Then James Scarfan with Vanilla er Nurgle, I think. Uh, Logan Creedy with Dark Elf. Logan had a great weekend. Um, mm. Rich Allsworth with Norse, Simon Malpass with Dwarf. So it was a real good mixture there in the top. Um, and I'll tell you what, let's have a quick look at Wayne's roster. I'm going to have a look at the top five rosters I think I've got prepared because actually it's always fun to look at a roster. So uh, Wayne's team had four blitzers, four big and blockers, three linemen, a goblin, uh, three rerolls, and mighty blow on a blitzer. Four blocking biggins and a block goblin. Use it a dot double. That does not smack to me uh, an amazing roster. It's a very standard orc roster, isn't it? I looked oh. at this and I thought of Milton. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Miltonio Banderas loves taking orcs and just using the block skill. But, I mean, positioning's so good. Orcs are underrated a little bit. The fact they've got 
dumped down into tier two i don't think is the worst thing in the world it meant that in our thing here they got an extra well, an extra skill and a half basically versus that so you've got a great team here interesting that wayne went with the goblin the other orc roster that was in the top 10 uh was the thrower build no goblin still three rerolls very similar kind of skill set i think but that was the tournament roster that won you know it's it seems like a really standard orc roster right sometimes the classics are the way you know yeah it's just run your orcs give them block and go to town yeah solid team play i mean wayne wayne plays solid well positioned make your opponent make the mistake blood bowl and and he really pulled it off i mean he played he played to the strength of the orc team and, and avoided the weaknesses beautifully yeah, and I think just having that goblin as a little cheeky movement six stunty blodger in the background just gives you that little extra bit of spice, which I, I thought was a really, really clever build. Then we'll move on to number two, which was the stunty cup winner for the day and second place with halflings. So Joe Solo, I think, has won at least one stunty cup with us before, right? Joe, Joe knows how to play halflings and I think ran this actual almost the same no, no not sure it's the same build but the same actual physical team at beachhead it definitely wasn't ago. the same build he had a uh, four strength six players six plus players <laughs> in the last one so yeah that was wicked that was such a good little rule set that was the is that our last rule set of the old edition or did we we snuck that in in mega bowl didn't we? uh what no that was it was in beachhead because we had the Albion theme there. Oh yeah. So the he had two tree man, yeah, two tree man, deep root and a fen beast. Well, he went right. for something a bit spicy this time around as well. Uh, went for the halfling build: one tree man, one hefty, one catcher, nine little dudes, Carla and Griff, uh, with a master chef as well. No rerolls. So no rerolls. Went with block on the tree man, kick on a little dude, leader on a hefty, uh, sure feet on a catcher. Um, sneaky get defensive and sprint just as a mix of skills in there as well. So a blocking tree man, the fact that it's a one tree man build, but had Griff and Carla, I mean, it's the leader skill yeah. makes sense. Leader with master chef, you know, that, that gives you, you know, what are we looking at? Two to three rerolls each half, probably. Um, and then you've got Griff's, mega pro skill which basically gives him one leader reroll at half as well um trips i think you're probably familiar with that yeah well i've i've, I've played a very similar build to that and griffin carla between them they they reroll the things they need to reroll themselves they've got the the right inbuilt skills so you can get away with less rerolls um and they that's a they are a punchy couple of star players um especially when you've got the tree type people as well it's 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 again a roster that uh, you think if you roll well you can play well if you if you get your pieces positioned badly your halflings will severely let you, let you down uh, judging by the points here joe went 3-0 with this team scoring did. yeah 3-0 yeah. with halflings we had three uh three 3-0 teams uh, in this one and came second with 103 points there so three points behind Wayne so that was our Stunty Cup winner and our second place our third place was Chaos Renegades uh, Insidious was the coach uh, and what do we have here we had the Renegade Ogre the Dark Elf the Goblin the Orc the Skaven makes a lot of sense with so the Troll and a Minotaur as well Acorn the Squirrel and five Line Dudes 
two rerolls, and then skills-wise, block using a double on the ogre, block using a double on the troll, jugs on the minotaur, uh, block dark elf, block orc, wrestle skaven. I mean, three big guys with combat skills there. Interesting that um, that acorn was taken without any guard. That's 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 bold. I get acorn in a guard heavy team because that turns that strength one clause frenzy into you know strength two, strength three, if you can get it up there. I, I, I love this. So Simon Warrider went three and zero with a meme team renegades paying an acorn tax i mean acorn's got no hands so it can't be a scoring threat a really yeah, interesting but, one what you say without the guard though is his inbuilt his inbuilt reroll kind of does mitigate that quite a lot yes like you just need is it three pluses to you die a strength three player yeah acorn is may choose to reroll the d6 and rolling for dauntless so yeah it is entirely possible that acorn was just absolutely in the wind just taking players on one-on-one -on -one and just like knocking them about but i love this roster block ogre block troll jugs on the minotaur it, that's a, a really offensive team no ball skills here at all no short hands no nothing just block block wrestle all combat um some solid players got to go into that with a score of 103 also went a um it's worth knowing went a clean sheet on this one didn't concede any touchdowns six and oh yeah, only five casualties, which is crazy when you look at all this stomping power that yeah. we've got here. Um, th th that's how close it is. Now, three-round tournaments, we've got, I think, a pretty decent um, scoring system uh, built upon the what Sean used to use at Birmingham, and we just tweaked it as we've gone. And actually, you can get you get kind of close packs in a three-round tournament. You can get close packs in a four-round tournament. So if three players go 3-0, and oh, and there's only three points in it. So a couple more casualties here for Insidious, a couple less casualties for Wayne, and it would have been a slightly different result. I just, I love it. It's so good. Really fun roster, this one. Yeah. Okay. Good Who do we have fourth place, guys? Who was fourth, Ben? Uh, fourth, we have uh, CT, Chris Tamblin. Uh, yes. Who was running? Uh, bear with me. Underworld. Underworld. Yeah. All right. Wicked. So we've got CT's Underworld roster here. We got um, Blitzer, Snotling, Snotling, Gutter Runner, Snotling, Snotling, Thrower, Snotling, Snotling, Clamrack, 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 Goblin, Goblin, two rerolls, Morg and Thorg. So this is Morg Underworld. No hack phlegm. We've got a tackle Blitzer, a leader Thrower, giving you your third reroll two wrestle clan rats and a sneaky git goblin with morg mm. this is this is interesting you know underworld you, you tend to think they're going to go for the speed element of it but there's morg is the big guy in this roster isn't he there's no there's no troll there's no roger morg is i mean if you're gonna have one morg <laughs> isn't a bad shout he's <laughs> a the most reliable big guy you'll ever have yeah massively um, and a vanilla gutter runner. So this is a really interesting one. I mean, not a huge amount of scoring potential except for what exists in the roster itself. Uh, wrestle clan rats are great, but I mean, wrestle is a temporary fix. It benefits 
you because it's going to keep you alive. It benefits soft armor players because it's again it's going to keep them alive and definitely benefits the clan rats because they're movement seven. So you wrestle them down to the ground. Only cost you three movement. You get back up. You're you're in the game. Um, leader on the thrower seems like a, a no brainer. And you know, having one tackle player out there, especially a movement seven blocker in the blitzer, really solid. But this is this is all morgue, right? Yeah, it looks it looks like it's a very like you know fouling roster, really. You know, morgue takes players down, wrestle takes players down. But um, the tack like you say, the tackle blitzer is just like in emergencies when they have the ball. But other than that, I, and just that constant threat, of course. But I, I could see this being built, being like I'm just gonna foul a lot of players and try and clear the pitch that way. You don't have the raw strength that other teams do, but this can get around like the block heavy teams really easily. That is true. And so, 15 active players on the roster and six of them being snotlings. So this is max yeah. swarming. So as well. So you're playing with 13, 14, uh, well, 12 or 13 players each time as well. You get an opportunity to kind of tag up one of theirs. You've got Morg, who's a very good throw teammate player. Um, mm -hmm. He's even got the catapult skill, which allows you to re-roll a a throw teammate once per game as well so you've got pretty reliable throw teammate angle as well i i, I thought it's very cool and it's great and really refreshing to see an underworld roster that isn't just hack phlegm you know yep. and what was the score for chris here 86 eight touchdowns to one eight casualties to 15 yeah well that's gonna happen when you're running snotlings uh but 86 that's that's two wins in a two wins in a draw kind of territory isn't it uh yeah 30, 30. i mean two Eight and one plus seven TDs, and that is really impressive. Yeah, like conceding only one touchdown with Underworld is pretty tricky. Yeah, so yeah, nicely done. Wow, that means must have had a three o two. What's that? A three three nil game, a four nil game. Uh, I can maybe go to the next one. I can find. Yeah, out. amazing. I I love this next one. Now this is the last of the top five we're going to look at, but I had to get it in there because first of all, it's flipping Orkster who is uh, always on the channel and Whip Wednesday and just uh, just a bit of a, a hobby god, to be fair. Um, but running Slan, what absolute legend. So we had Slan. Slan is a legacy team. If you've never heard of it, it's it, it existed in the, in the before times. In the long, long ago, there was Slan, and they were frogmen. And the way the roster plays is they've got pogo stick and very long legs. They are all about just jumping, basically just teleporting two squares. It's a brilliant roster. No other team plays like it. It's a very unique experience of if I can roll fours, I'm going to win the game. If I can't roll fours, I'm going to die. And it's it's like playing with goblins that can do stuff is probably the best way to describe this. And Orkster running slan. We've got to watch him build his team on Wednesday as well. It's been so much, so much fun. So Orkster was running a Crocs, two slan blitzers, both with guard. The Crocs had block. We had two slan catchers. These guys are amazing. They're edge two, edge two plus, movement seven, um, pogo stick. So basically, it can just two plus appear anywhere else on in two squares. It, they're so good. Uh, took leader on them with a double, and then a bunch of linemen there, tackle and one block with three rerolls. So four rerolls with leader. You don't get a lot when it comes to slan at eleven hundred, but both of those um, slan blitzers are able to just roll a three plus reappear anywhere within two squares and then you've got guard right there which means that the slan lineman can then just two dice anybody you want at any time and because they're movement six and they've got pogo stick no one is ever safe from slan ever 
it's such a cool roster. Absolutely, I really love it. I was so excited that we had a slam you were roster. Genuinely excited to see him yeah. turn up, weren't you? Oh, there were so many, so many good rosters, so many clever rosters, but I just like there's Skaven. I love Skaven, and then there's just Slan. Slan is just the most extra you can be because it is such a challenge. Like you know, we always talk about Kemri being a proper two, tier two, Kemri and vampires being a proper tier two challenge, and then you've got Slan, and Slan is just, just masochistic in a way. A hundred percent brilliant roster to run. Um, how did how did Orcs to do on the day, guys? What was the uh, Orcs uh, got eighty five points, only one behind uh, CT, who by the way did go three nil, four nil, and one one. Um, was it a 1-1 so, in the last round as well for CT? It was 1-1 in round two for CT. Oh, okay. Oh, that's tough. That's so, tough. Yeah. Um, Orkster, yeah, uh, 85 points. He had seven touchdowns, four and two against, so on a plus five there, so another really good result. Hefty casualties um, at 14 as well. Yeah, so we had a 4-0 win in round one. A uh, Then it went to a one all draw, and finally it was... A 2-1 win. Amazing. So good. Yeah. So good. And this is the great thing about only having three teams missing is it meant you kind of got the chance to see every one of the teams. And this was, I think this was, I think this was one of the earlier Grebo teams. Um, but Orkster had made these see-through resin bases like with pond effects for all of the slan because they're frog people. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Brilliant. And the other, the other great thing here is that uh, Orkster Jr. came. Um, I think I think Jack, his son, came. I think yes. first first tournament, ran Necro, had a great time, played some great games, did some really good work. And I think Orkster Jr. was only one one casualty away from, from winning the casualty award, if I remember correctly. Beachhead 11s, uh, I think... He was sitting at 14 casualties. I may have made that up now. Quackers. Close. Uh, both both um, Orkster and Orkster Jr. had uh, 14 casualties. Actually, we had, we had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six coaches with 14. And the winner um, was 15 casualties, right? Yep. Xavier with 15 casualties. Yeah, that was also a very cool roster. But I mean, it's just fun to look at some of the more intriguing ones. In fact... Great foreshadowing there, Ben. Excellent segue. We've got the Vampire Most Casualty roster lined up next. Uh, so this was Doc Miniature, and I was super, super excited about this roster as well when it came through. We got five Vampire Blitzers, eight Thralls, so 11, uh, 13 players at that point. Wilhelm Cheney, so 14 players. Can you guess how many re-rolls that's going to leave you with at 1,100? You're both exactly <laughs> correct. Yeah. <laughs> zero re-rolls this was really cool uh pro pro on two block block on two leader on on one so kind of did have a re-roll and then guard double on one of the thralls with oh, what is Cheney. it with vampire what is it with vampire coaches and no re-rolls i remember getting absolutely rinsed at sandbowl by vampires cheney and no re-rolls with lots of pro and it was just like what is this this is so annoying <laughs> Oh, just, I loved it. This is so one impressive. Of, this is one of the rosters I think I pinged to you guys. I was like, dude, some mad lad is running five five vamps, Cheney and no rerolls, and just absolutely your <laughs> bravery. Yeah, so cool. And then went and won casualties. Went and won most casualties as well, which is yeah. just it's just so cool. Um, 
how how did doc do 14th came 14th as well so 72 points so Pretty solid two wins two wins and a two wins and a loss probably with that amount of bonus points for casualties um i really enjoyed um the he has a role with guard i really think that's a cool pick um just it really helps you out when <laughs> you need to do these chainy blitzes which you're trying to do every turn with this kind of roster you want to hypno gaze chainy blitz um and having that guard there is really really good for that with the frenzy so that's a cool pick yeah and really consider that i mean trips i don't know if you've ever had a chance to play a vampire roster but you sit down against a team like this that is built it is built very unusually right you, you're yeah you, you're not gonna a lot of coaches will just not have seen a vampire team played against them um and you you guys are gonna live and die a little bit by your dice rolls but that's the half the fun that i mean they, they were a beautiful team in terms of makeup, but you, you really paid them well. Okay. I think one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What's that? So that's seven fifty, nine seventy. Uh, team value on pitch is something we talk about every now and again because it, it represents the value of the players on the pitch. 1100 TV tournament and with five of those vamps and cheney it, it's nearly a million of the team is on the pitch at any one time which is massive because if you look at any other team you've got two on the bench you've got maybe 200k in re-rolls you know you're running 750 800 tv so this this vampire team on the pitch is all is, is basically a vampire extra team value actually they're playing on the pitch and it's it's so good but the dice giveth and the dice dice significantly taketh away and when it comes to vamps but i mean being able to take eight thralls what's that that's a bench of three four dudes there ready to get eaten well no, not even eaten anymore just smacked around a bit you've got that reserve i thought this was brilliant a very mm. different roster but i mean playing this with six players who are strength four on the pitch like this is a black orc team with agility uh this is yeah this is a very cool way to play i i did think that was very 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 cool very interesting um okay so let's talk about who did great stuff on the day so we talked about wayne winning with the orcs we talked about stunty cup going to joe uh which was not a massive surprise because the guy's very good at what he does with the little dudes uh insidious with renegades and acorn came third most tds was eight with ct uh with plus seven uh with morgue underworld uh orcs to fifth with slan best team was drew which was no surprise there were some very lovely teams but drew just really puts it out yeah this was the chatting to him the day it's that's his win if he if he, yep. he goes to try for best team so um, and he always absolutely knocks it yeah, out of the park. This was the Scottish Snotlings as well. I'm going to overlay the video uh, at some point in this um, in this section of all the teams that got put forward for best team because there was a lot going on there. Um, most casualties was Dot Miniature with uh, the Vampire Cheney build with 15 plus 9. We've got to talk about Fowl's Dirty Player. Do you guys remember that? Do you remember game yeah. one? Oh, game, my game word, one. Yeah, we got given a card, a results card that made us all worry that someone had really missed the rule. 
But as it turned out, Adam had <laughs> really figured the rules out because uh, yeah, he handed in a rule card with mere 30 fouls in game <laughs> one. <laughs> and uh, the reason he managed to achieve 30 fouls is because Adam Pike, Toxic Six, the dirty player with 62 all in on the day, snotling build with Helmet Wolf and the Black Gobbo with a few dirty player snotlings as well. So every turn was basically two fouls with whoever that he could get the opportunity to do it on and was just going for the most fouls of the day and just absolutely pounded the feet. What a commitment. He won that by half time in game one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. That's so obscene. Uh, I mean, it's quite... 62 fouls over three games is just horrific. Um, where did where did Adam come in the end? Because actually, when you've got no team oh. to play against, uh, oh, not not super high. Adam Pike, 39. 38. 38? Or might be 39, actually. 38, 39. 39. Yeah. Yeah. It just brilliant. 42 points, 2 5, 14, 16. Still suffered more casualties than he caused, but hey, it's going to happen with Snotlings. But. I thought that was an absolutely brilliant win. And it's that's the great thing about these tournaments is you can go with it with a view of like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for best team. You know, I'm gonna go for the dirty player award. You know, I'm gonna ball out and go for the most touchdowns. Or you can do what Gary does and just come up with a cunning strategy every year, every tournament. Um the scroll deep ball throw where he brought that roster to Bonvember was like my goal today is to throw a touchdown with scroll from one side of the pitch to the other I nearly pulled it off so good yeah, this year Gary brought what giant as well uh, yeah it was score with a giant score with a giant such credit to Gary, Gary and I think it was David as well David both Priest. yeah yeah both of them came with a giant I think it's it's answered the question about is a giant and an OP piece for the team Definitely no, not. Not at all. Um, was it fun to see on the pitch? Absolutely, yeah. So good. Yeah, really good to see that in the, in the team makeup, and I think it made a few people. Well, it definitely makes you think a bit differently when you literally see a giant in oh, front yeah. of you. Yeah, if you want to see how the giant plays on the pitch, go watch round three of the Bonehead Championship, and you will see us all play with giants quite poorly, but it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, Giants are a great addition. So uh, we had those top five. We had Stephen Padley with Orc 6, James Scarfang with Vanilla Nurgle, I think. Um, Scarfang's goal this weekend was to bring Nurgle and prove that they could win. And Tick did a great job there, going, uh, what, 84 points? That's, what, two wins and a draw, I think, for Scarfang. Yeah. That's great work. Uh, Logan Creeded with Dark Elves 8, Rich Allsworth with Norse for 9, Dwarfs with Simon Malpass for 10, uh, 11th was Daryl McFedron with Lizards, uh, Rob Palmer with Norse for 12. 13 was Rob Quick from the Isle of Wight with Amazons. Uh, I think there was Amazons in Morgue build. I think that was quite an interesting one. Um, uh, Xavier with those vamps for 14th. Paul Harmer with Necro. Uh, Michael Jones with Halfling. James Priest with Underworld Denizens, one of the Priest pack. Um, so the, the, Priest, the Priest team was, was David Priest and then uh, Sarah Jane and James. And they played brilliantly absolutely brilliant i mean underworld denizens i think this must be what james's first or second tournament i think is the underworld teams the first teams painted and to come in the top or basically the top 25 of a tournament so mm. good so awesome. good that is yeah. fantastic so that's a 
just imagine how terrifying James is going to be in another five years and Sarah Jane. Oh. It's just, you know, maybe they're, not... they're getting coaching. That That is so good. To, it's so fun to see them turn up oh, and yeah. the joy that they have. And I think we'll talk about it later, but Sarah Jane did spectacularly well in sevens. Yeah, oh, that was so good. That overhearing, yeah. uh, overhearing her dad just be like, you can't do what yes yeah. <laughs> it was just it warmed my heart it warmed my heart it was so nice to see oh it's so so good uh we had dan hunter with necro we had danny tambler with chaos chosen i think a couple of these teams might be a little bit squiffy because i didn't do a great job of carrying it over but i've corrected them on a list and ben and i can i think the 11s was basically there uh john allen with black orcs uh, paul harrison with dwarves bob davies with necro andy burridge with lizards callum mills 24 with elf union that's the team i kept thinking was high elves uh, dan maskell with dark elves dan gerger a heck of a coach lost out by one point in our last tournament um literally one point behind first place so close uh so they came 25th of this one christopher stevenson with humans lee simmons with necro aj with ogres that was a cool build uh, Mark Nichols with Skaven, Herowood with Chaos Chosen, Ryan Dell with Ogres, uh, Jonathan Redman with Corn. Um, it was nice to see a couple of Corn teams there. Uh, Jack Crossweller, Orkster Jr. with Shamblin Undead there, that's Quackers. Rick Myhill with Necro, uh, Matt Ratcliffe with High Elves, Jeff O'Hara with Skaven, 37 Jake Homewood with Shamblin Undead, 38 Dave Thompson with Orcs, Adam Pike at 39 with the Fowley Fowley Snotlings, Graham Pickett, the Resident Wolf at 40. Uh, David Priest, again of the Priest pack, um, 41 with Halflings. That was a wicked team. Um, Punga Halfling team with a scaled-up Triton Dwarf as the Giant. And beautifully painted, beautifully presented in the book. Oh, that was some, that was some really good teams coming in. 41 there. Jonathan Bass with OWA. Great to see an OWA team. Um, Andrew Gill with Orcs, Ian Reevil with Black Orcs, Oliver Feld with Humans, Jason Thorne Goblins, James Phone with another Corn team, Gareth Harris with Black Orcs, uh, Luke Dan in Mobility, Daniel Ellis with Underworld, Aaron with Amazons, Drew Creedy with Snotlings, Jamie Mortimer with another Underworld roster, Gary, Mad Gary with the Mad Giant, uh, and Vreek, I think, and Creek. Uh, which was a pretty cool combo. Uh, 54. 55, Alex Evans with Undead. Sarah Jane coming in at 56 with Amazons. Uh, Dave Baverstock, Ogres, Gavin Watson and Lee Doherty. 58-59 with Blackhawks. Chris Crawford with Dwarves. Lee Pollitt with Snotlings and Matt O'Keefe with Skaven. Matt had some bad luck there. Skaven build was pretty solid. Standard Rat Ogre build, but did win the uh, participation trophy on the day. Vanilla Skaven. Just a, a really cool breakdown of teams. I'm uh, so happy with how it came, how it came out, uh, and and the the mix I thought was really really solid. Um, yeah. So that was who won. That was how they won. That was the breakdown. It wasn't a star player fest. There was a great mix of teams, and I mean it will surprise none of you. I get very excited seeing the data that you can pull from from tournaments and stuff like this. Um, but I mean let's talk about how the day went like how did you think that the day went guys because we got there pretty early to set up the tables and it was a long day i thought it was um i thought it went honestly smoother than i was ever expecting it to go i think i mean it's not like to say we're unprepared but when you sort of have this many coaches come in like the night before is really daunting being like 
Oh no, I know we had conversations, Ben, about you know, it's actually quite like, is this gonna be okay? Like, have we got everything ready? Um and fortunately with especially with trips on board, thank you very much for helping there. Huge. I think it it just I ended up we had enough hands on deck. Uh everyone who came up was super nice. We didn't have any difficulties whatsoever on the day. Um and I think it just went really well. Like the setup was fine. A beachhead was really well organized too. So tables were out and ready to go. Yeah, really awesome. Yeah, it was uh, go for it trips. I was going to say, I real credit to all the players. So everyone turned up in the right attitude of they were there to have fun. And yeah, it was a tournament. It's competitive, but it was competitive in a fun way. And that really came across. Lots of people wanting to see what other people had done, uh, uh, not wandering off uh, and getting lost other than two of our coaches who, who couldn't tell the clock uh, time <laughs> in the afternoon and uh, got a bit distracted by the stands in the uh, trading area. Um, yeah, Everyone played really well, kept within the time limits. It, it, was, it was really good. Hardly any rules crossed. Yeah, the the eleventh had hardly any rules queries, um, but no, I think you're both exactly right. Everyone pr pretty much came prepared. Um, really interesting one going into it. Uh, we had some, you know, we had coaches dropping out. We still had some rosters outstanding. I think we only had one person turn up. We didn't have on the list uh, on the day, which was good. We were kind of expecting a little bit more than that, um, but you know, we were mostly there, mostly prepared. I, I think the the big and the tournament hall was seriously busy. Like it was very busy. Uh, we it was a it was quite squashed. There was a load of tournament players. Uh, I know that Pete's already looking at um, at the summer event and the 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 next year to see actually how it could be spaced out and, and organized a little bit, uh, a little bit slightly better maybe. But um, they had 180 players on the 40k tournament like across the way and, and it was just it was it was a busy busy event so i'm hoping in future that we can do a bit of a better job as tos to kind of stack when we're taking our breaks and make sure that we've got enough time um because we had pretty reasonable timings two hours per round with 15 minutes in between and then that 30 45 minute 30 minute lunch break uh which in toyman is great perfect but in the BIC, when you're there with a couple of thousand other people and they've only got two people at the bar, it makes lunch and grabbing a drink very challenging. So I uh, had a, a, a chance to chat with loads of people who, who came and played and just like, actually, you know, what could we done better? What could we do differently next time? And it was actually just have those gaps a little bit better because, you know what, the BIC is going to be busy when it's a convention weekend. And with that in mind... I think that's probably the biggest takeaway is just things take a lot more time when you've got a lot more players in a place that is a lot more busy. Um, and that was great. And, you know, between UBT being the scoremaster and coach over there, making sure that we're doing the right things at the right time, you know, I think it went, I think it went pretty well. It was a lot of fun. Um, and when we got a chance to use the microphone, that made things a lot easier because let me tell you and you guys massively jumped in here and helped out we got 62 coaches so 31 tables and you're calling out the matchups and oh that's a challenge for the players uh and that's a challenge for your voice i liked it i, I thought it sounded great at the end of that day when i was like hey how you doing i thought it was wicked <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
and and you know what? I'm just gonna put a little shout out here to Tiff. Um, Tiff, I bless her, had not listened, or maybe I didn't tell her. I don't know about Beachhead being a two day event and about us staying over there. She was like, "Oh well, I'll come with you and help." I was like, "Okay, fine." So Tiff was came over and did some of the muggle work for us on the on the Saturday, and then um, went out drinking with her sister in the evening. And that was the other cool thing is because it was a two day event, you know. We got a chance to hang around in Bournemouth uh, and, and say hello to a couple of people. Ben, we went mm. out. We went out after the event. We were like, right, let's go grab some dinner. What happened at dinner, Ben? Oh, God. <laughs> we're just like, okay. So I said, right, yeah, I, I went to uni in Bournemouth. I, I remember there being a really good noodle bar. Let's go to the noodle bar. It's kind of on the other side of town. Bit of a walk. So we said, oh, that's okay. We'll stretch our legs. We've been indoors all day, you know. Nice to get some fresh air. Head, walked over there. It was a decent walk. Got there. Do you have any tables? Not really. <laughs> We've got a couple at like eight. So we said, okay, right. Yeah, this is like seven o'clock. Yeah, eight o'clock. No problem. Um, let's have a think what we can do. That's quite a little while to wait. So we went outside and thought, mm, let's go somewhere else. Nah, let's go back. We said, okay, no, we'll have that eight o'clock table. We said, oh, it's 8.15 now. Um, we said, okay, <laughs> right. So we've, got, we've got an hour and 15 to kill. So we went and got a pint in the nearby pub. Came back at 8.15 after that. Good chat. Had our dinner. Really nice. Did the long walk back, starting to rain as well. And as we got back to the big after about, what, like a, at least half an hour walk, um, we realised that right next door to the big where we left was another noodle bar Absolutely that had opened... Brutal. The same chain, the same chain <laughs> since I left. So, so Ben's like, "Oh yeah, it's really good, best noodles I've ever had." And I'm like, "Well, you know what? Let, let's let's go." You know, he was like, "It's a bit of a walk." I was like, "No, no that's fine." And yeah, it took like half an hour to get there uphill. And I was at one point, I was like, "I'm sure he's lost. I'm sure he's lost." Because you were like, "Let's cross this road." Oh no, we don't need to cross this road. And I'm like, "I have no idea where I am, but I'm fine. Like, I've been up since." wednesday this is okay let's do this and then yeah when they were like oh yeah we've got table uh we were like well no then we got outside i was like ben are these noodles really worth it It was like yes like trust me best noodles in the world best noodles (laughs) in the world it's like no you know what we're here now (laughs) i don't want to walk back just yet let's do it and to be fair the noodles were excellent noodles the squid was really good as well it was good squid yeah yeah the the service was terrible i i felt like i had (laughs) I'd betrayed her in some way and I was just being very pleasant. I was like, Hey, how you doing today? And she, I just like, I got the told off eyes. I was like, Oh, Tiff gives me these eyes when I forget to tell her something. What have I not told you strange woman? I've never met before. Really strange one. Food was great. Then we walked back down to the pubs and yeah, we walked past another of this chain and we were like, ah, oh, could have just done that. But uh, then we went, oh, yeah. yeah, but we went back to the hotel um, where a lot of the entoyment crew were staying, where Tom from Moonstone were coming over and, um, our goal was just to hang out and have some beers with people we didn't really make it past the foyer we got in there we grabbed Mm. a beer tiff's uh, sister and her friend came over we had a little beer and then um we had uh old uh, decadence yeah yeah um aaron grabbed us and had a beer and we just ended up didn't even make it past the foyer uh so i mean we would i would have loved to spend some more time with everybody who traveled down but we we didn't even get that far um definitely something that we can do better next time is uh yeah just, i'll book a table next time that is probably what we should have done 
is is just like or just grab something out and then just go straight in because uh, it was so yeah. cool i don't feel that's the one thing about the tournaments is they're so busy i don't really feel like you get a chance to talk to people um and i don't know i quite like talking to people because everybody there was blood bowl mad and it would have just oh, that it just that's just some really really cool stuff but i mean was, was there anything else on on the 11s days that do you think actually we can do a bit better next time uh, or, or you got feedback wise from the crew that was just like actually this this here this there i think trips have asked quite a bit of feedback didn't you i think think we we there's a few practical tips and tricks that we we'd look at a bit registration and um game one probably spread split that out a little bit more when you're trying to register uh 62 coaches i think uh, <laughs> uh, we learned rapidly that that's uh these pair and but after the, that, the the day ran really smoothly. Um, I think I really, I'd, I'd say that the scoring system worked well. The the coaches gave us the details. A big thank you to Adam for making uh, working out who caused the most fouls really nice and easy from <laughs> any point of view. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that saved a lot of manual work. Round one, we're like, do you, do you want your trophy now or? or... <laughs> No, was, that was quite a bit of a relief actually I yeah, to it was good because score doesn't count trophy uh, doesn't count fouls so it's a case if we're gonna have to do this yeah. manually now uh, the score program did a great job but there's mm. the export function is something that is we haven't really got to grips with how we can do it in a way that spits it out so that there's stuff we can share like social media wise so historically yeah with these, well with these I, think, events. I think it can. I think it can be done. I yeah. just got to. Um, I had to tweak it a little bit, so yeah. I think it's okay now. It's our first time sort of using it, um, but we like to share the rounds by rounds, so you can see which team is playing which. But uh, we couldn't quite figure that, and that's something else that I want to make sure we do better moving forward. Because actually, yeah. you know, we got ten thousand people on YouTube love Blood Bowl, and uh, sixty-two of them came to the tournament. And I was like, oh, we could be sharing this with the. the you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people uh so that's definitely something i think we can do um a little bit better but i mean i wouldn't say it was overwhelming but i think it was pretty close to have that many people and and you know what this is a real turning point i think in the way we do things and that is massively down to both of you so thank you so much uh we couldn't have pulled it off and then we went and stayed in the haunted hotel had fire alarms in the middle of the night Woke up oh, the next awful. day with a mild hangover, got served by an unnecessarily happy woman the next morning, uh, which which I think upset Tiff a little bit. She was like, "Why is she so happy? It's 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 eight o'clock in the morning. How how is she so happy? <laughs> how dare you? How, is how she dare so you happy? enjoy your job? <laughs> yeah. Why are you so happy? Uh, yeah, and there's there's me and you just being a bit bit hungover. In fact, Tiff was actually hungover as well. It was quite yeah, quite a good one. I stumbled over to the BIC and then um, it was sevens time. So we'll take a very quick break and we'll talk through Beachhead Sevens. Okay. And we're back. So that was day one. All of that, including getting lost in Bournemouth and, and, and all that kind of stuff, happened on the Saturday. And then we went into the second day. Now, it was a separate tournament. 
because we wanted to make sure that people who could only come on the Sunday or people who could only go on the Saturday wouldn't miss out. This was kind of one of our things that we worry about with two-day tournaments is, you know what, there's a lot of people out there who've got very busy lives and it's quite a commitment. So we had the opportunity to have two different events to really kind of just maximise the opportunity to come down and play. And it also meant that we could sneak in a sevens tournament so um seven sunday was four games of sevens at a much smaller window than the 10 till six it was 10 till four 600 tv so 600 000 gold pieces standard seven build rules applied there was tiering there was skills tier one got two skills tier two got two skills and a double a secondary skill and tier three got two and two so tier three teams and sevens would get two regular skills and two double skills so there's there's potential there uh, again the same tiers applied now i know that in sevens the tiering split doesn't feel right in some cases but hey it's the best we've got and actually there are some there's whatever system you roll guys that there's going to be teams that are that benefit so if you look at tier one right now right amazon chaos dwarf dark elf dwarf high elf lizardman norse undead skaven underworld wood elves oh, some of them are going to do better with more or less skills than the others there's always that flex and the same is true of sevens but we had in the end 44 teams turn up on the day we had 50 something registered uh we had five necro four skaven uh three dark elf human lizards nobility and renegades uh two amazons two black orcs two elven union two orc two snotling two wood elf a Chaos Chosen, Goblin, High Elf, Corn, Norse, Nurgle, Undead, and Underworld. So this one, there was 21 of the 29 different teams available. Um, only Snotlings and Goblins as Tier 3s here. So no Halfling teams, no Ogre teams. Um, but, I mean... Yeah, oh, not a huge amount of teams. No, really, surpri really surprising, actually. Um, I think I think Sevens is a good place for Stunties. I mean, we kind of showed that uh with our series so you get, the, you get the bench which sometimes you really want in sevens so yeah. yeah but i guess the new kind of so there was no chaos dwarf no dwarf i i, I get that yeah halfling yeah fine ogres are very good i think um owa in sevens is a challenging one i mean trips you're basically our owa correspondent here as well yeah it's yeah. being it's the not... only one in the world who plays the team <laughs> yeah you, it's it's the classic you need five positionals to make it work yeah, otherwise you're just better so, off running uh, yeah, one or the other. Gonna... Yeah, you're going to be a bit tight with uh, with your with your players. So we had no slan on Sunday, and I, I accosted Orkster about this. I was like, dude, wh where's the slan for sevens? Like, come on. He said, <laughs> you know what? This is one of the first time I'm, I'm properly running slan on a tournament, and if I have a horrible day with them Saturday, I do not want to play them again on Sunday. That's <laughs> yeah. And I was like... <laughs> He's like, so I'm playing, yeah, so I'm taking Skaven because it's like, I know what I'm going to get with them. I was like, actually, you know what? That is very fair. Um, and we had no Tomb Kings and no Vampires, which, you know, makes a lot of sense. Tier 1, 17 teams, 38%. Tier 2, 24 teams, 55%. And uh, Tier 3 sneaking in there with 7% of the teams. I mean, Tier 2 is probably what you want to push. Uh, I, I like the idea of having more tier three teams, but I wouldn't really want to give a team five skills in sevens. That's that seems that's just getting to the it seems unnecessary. But what it did do is it meant that almost every team you could run, you could run and have a good time with at sevens, and I, I'm chuffed with that. 
I mean, were you guys surprised by the splits in any way, other than the lack of stunties? Uh, again, just the lack of Kemri and Chaos Dwarf. Like, I think those two teams that we see quite often in tournaments, especially recently <laughs> in the new edition. Okay. So, yeah. I... So, there should have been a Kemri team on set on Sunday. Joe Solo. Ah. Registered Kemri team. Oh. Too hungover to play. <laughs> yeah. That happened with the people. <laughs> so uh, some people intentionally knew they would be and didn't play in sevens. <laughs> so, oh, you and I were quite worried about staying over in Bournemouth and whether or not we were going to be suitable for running yeah, a exactly. the day after. Uh, that was a desperate, desperate caffeine morning um, after the <laughs> haunted hotel and the alarms going off. But no, I mean five Necro Skaven, right? Necro Skaven, Dark Elf, Human Lizards. Yeah, they're all great in sevens. They feel great in sevens because you've got basically all the toolkit. Lizardmen don't have the ball handling skills, but they've got both strength and insane speed, which makes Lizards a great team. Three nobility. Uh, there were some really different builds. We had the ogre build. We had like just stuff uh, and and renegades really well represented this weekend. Um, chuffed, mm. chuffed with that. So good black orc teams in there as well. Some elven union dancing around and orcs just doing orc stuff. You look at this roster here, and and every team here has got a good couple of builds for sevens. Uh, I think that's, I think that's why it's so good. I mean, there's, there's no team that has a bad build, with the exception of Nurgle. But I think we're going to come to that in a second, um, because that was, I think, I think that was Scarfang, you know. Uh, and it was, yeah. Okay, so results after round four because our sevens event was four rounds we had lizard men uh daryl mcfedrin coming first with 97 points now 97 points we had a slightly different scoring system in sevens it was 20 points for a win everything else was the same so instead of 30 points it was 20 points and that's because we were doing an overall tournament weekend winner uh when it comes to total points so we didn't necessarily want people to be able to score 120 points for the sevens day um we wanted to kind of even out, so it's twenty points apiece. So that's that's got to be a four zero, right, Ben? For Daryl McFedrin there, uh, at ninety seven yes, points. I yeah, I believe it was. And yeah. then uh, so ninety seven points. There, Bob Davies, Puckster with Necromantic in second place. Skaven third. Michael Jones, Laracian, uh, James Scarfang with Vanilla at Nurgle here and we're going to look at these rosters in a second. And we had another Necro at five with Baron one. All close. I mean, the top three players. 97, 94, and then 82. So Lizards, Necro, Skaven, and Nurgle doing really well. Let's have a quick look at some of the rosters. Let's delve into them a little bit deeper because the sevens, it's not going to take us very long at all. So uh, Daryl's roster was a Croxagore, a Saurus, a Saurus, another Saurus, and three Skinks. Um, no rerolls, one assistant coach coming in at 595, two block Sauruses. That was the skills. You got three movement eight stunty dudes, two strength four blockers, another strength four blocker. And then a Croxagore. It's just... You've got speed. You've got strength. I, we saw a lot of Lizardman rosters. I mean, they make sense to me. What do you guys reckon to this one? We've always known Lizards are strong in sevens. The Skinks are just a hell of a scoring threat. Their cost. Um, the fact you can have three of them. And then the Strength 4 to back, back them up. I, I um, Yeah, I, I, love, I love Lizards. I, I really want to play this at some point. Yeah, so and we should give Daryl real real credit because this is he's six months into playing Blood Bowl, um, mm. so that's not bad for this. And I think uh, he turned up Sunday morning, 
having been exhausted by his first uh, day of day of 11s on Saturday night and he was umming play or not I think he, he made the right choice to to play sevens and he played he played that team really well yeah I did. he knew he knew he was in a, a pressure situation from game two all the way through the day and uh, yeah everyone went after him and he he held it uh, awesome. Is it worth saying now as well that Daryl took the overall, overall winner as well? Yeah. What? How many points overall was yeah. he uh, at the end? So uh, he had ninety-seven. Yeah. Uh, plus, uh, I think it was was it one hundred and sixty-eight overall. That's a, yeah. that's an incredible outing. That, that's such a good result. Uh, I really do like linked events with points totals because yeah, it, it, it just yeah. I mean, you can spike a tournament, but then to come up with that amount of points consistently six months in i mean daryl's a lovely guy as well so it's uh, do you know what everybody on both of these days was so much fun it was just really great we're either just desperate to help us out like hey can i tidy up hey do you need some help doing stuff out can I, mm. what can i do uh, it was just awesome like it was just absolutely awesome really uh, I'm, I'm just gutted we couldn't spend a little bit more time. Uh, so Puckster came second with Necro. We had Werewolf, Werewolf, Wraith, Ghoul Runner, Zombie, 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 Zombie. No rerolls, no gear. Uh, oh, one assistant coach, bang on 600. Uh, two block Werewolves and a tackle Wraith. So this team being tier two gets them three skills. Tackle Wraith is a great one. A nice safety positions itself really well in sevens. But dude, two Werewolves with block. That's huge coverage necro just terrify me but then i i that's probably because actually i play every team like skaven so i have invariably got somebody open somewhere who i need and werewolves are like a massive rock paper scissors i'm gonna eat you first um it's a lot of money in sevens though uh, is it 280k oh no 240k for yeah i mean you're 250 for the werewolves Two, alone 250 250 of course they're 125 now aren't they yeah yeah with a the, the wraith is a decent yeah. player so three blockers two of them are movement eight with strength you know with frenzy uh and that wraith with tackle is a great safety as well i mean that's defense that's huge and then you've got the ghoul with dodge for movement seven and two movement eight pieces as well that's that's a significant scoring threat i'm just i think that's a really solid build Really like that one. And then uh, third place, we had Laratian with Skaven. Blitzer, Blitzer, Runner, Thrower, Lyman, 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 and a reroll, I think. Uh, block on a Gutter Runner and uh, Block on a Thrower. So the old Milton build. But, I mean, four blockers then. Everybody's seven, movement seven or movement nine. You've got a dodge piece. You've got pass, short hands, and a team reroll. Skaven in sevens, they're just, they're so flexible. Just... Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, like we said with the scoring threats it's though those movements just are you know multi force multiplied in sevens when you have these movement eight and nine piece really really scary yeah you get a high kick into the into the mid zone and you're, you're in trouble yeah you're not relying on one or two players moving around with a team like that you can you can swarm like your snotlings but they uh they don't fall over and go squish yeah, everybody, mm -hmm. everybody's a catcher when you're movement seven. Uh, well, let's just look at a couple more rosters. Got to get Scarfang's Nurgle roster in here. So Scarfang's whole mission this weekend was to prove that Nurgle can still win, that vanilla Nurgle can still do really well. Ended up coming flipping, what, top 10, top five of the 11s tournament. Uh, and then um, fourth in sevens. Uh, bloater, bloater. Overall third, I think. Overall third, that's insane. Uh, 
Um, so Nurgle were tier two, so two primaries and a secondary. Bloater, 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 Pestigore. One, two, three, four, five linemen. So nine players here. Two guard bloaters and a leader Pestigore there. You look at that roster and I think that's, I don't know, it feels a bit suboptimal. Like, you know, the bloaters are slow. You've got guard. Guard is useful, but it's not always amazing in sevens. Uh, and leader on your Pestigore, and your Pestigore is your scoring threat. And you think, well, they're going to kind of slow. All wrong. Scarfang played this, played tight, great positioning, used that guard to just get the Pestigore and the Rotters to just, uh, you know, one well positioned guard piece. And you, if you can make a Rotter strength four, that is game changing. And two bloaters, yeah. you've got two. You've got two pairs of strength four players. The clever thing here, and I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't how it played out on the pitch sometimes, is that bloater in conjunction with a rotter, you're essentially sneaking an extra positional with those guard pieces because that gives you five strength four players and a pestigore. And that's that can be pretty strong on the pitch. Oh, I've blooming love sevens. I absolutely love sevens. Sevens is so good. <laughs> it's my absolute favourite. Um, what else do we have? You should mention it sometimes. <laughs> oh, and Gary. I had to put Gary's in here as well. Um, so uh, we had Daryl Wynn. We had Bob Davies with the net crow for second. We had Michael Jones with Skaven. Scarfang Nurgle there. Uh, Stunty Cup went to Gary. Gary's a madman. Travels down for our tournaments. Always brings some nonsense. Uh, I think this was, what, Pump Wagon Troll. So Snotling roster here. Uh, train Troll, Train Troll, Pump Wagon Blinger, a million snotlings. Uh, didn't even have enough cash for a reroll. No rerolls. Went with strong arm on a troll, block <laughs> on a troll, pile driver on the pump wagon. I think that's potentially brilliant in sevens. Uh, as you get a really solid blitz there with uh, no loner. No, loner doesn't mean anything in sevens, but jugs and just the ability to mighty blow plus one, then dirty player plus one. You should be able to just take somebody out. And an accurate fungus flinger to just absolutely maximize oh, the bombing it. disasters. Uh, it's just such a good roster. Uh, thought that was really good fun. And paid off. Yeah. And ended up winning Stunty Cup, which I'm so happy with. Because uh, that's just, just such good fun. Uh, and, and a really good mix here. So uh, Lizards, Necro, Skaven, Nurgle, Necro, top five. Uh, Xavier Disley, Doc Miniature. Uh, with Elf Union came in six and one best team with a beautiful Elven Union team with a really beautiful display board as well. But the, the, the team was painted really lovely. So best team, we asked people to leave them out over the lunch break and let people vote. That's one thing that was flagged up on day one is that there wasn't enough time in the lunch tray. Everything was too busy to, to get around and, and have a proper look. We still had mm -hmm. plenty of votes, um, but I felt like there were more votes on day two because there was a little bit more time, and a little bit more space. Um, so a really, well, a really close combat. Uh, there, was a, there, was a, there was a couple of other teams that did very well in that competition as well. Uh, John Allen with Dark Elves, number seven. Uh, Pierrick Dubot with Necromantic Horror came in eighth. Simon Warriner with Renegades uh, for nine. Drew Greedy with Humans at ten. Graham Pickett, uh, who didn't run Dwarves, he actually ran Chaos. Uh, which was, uh, that's my fault. I just assumed that Graham would be running Dwarves all the time, and he wasn't. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> sorry graham um but you know you really should be burning dwarfs uh rich allsworth with norse for 12 logan creedy at 13 logan was hard fought this weekend uh yeah it's worth shouting out logan really really uh 
put in a lot of work there and during the sevens round just had a real bad four ones in a row that really yeah. just threw it and you, you can't do much again nah i mean it, um, it, it really was going over the overall trophy there so well done to Logan. yeah uh sarah jane priest with elf union coming in 14th out of 44 on this day we were so excited because she won her first round uh it was mm -hmm. like a 2-0 or something and we were like oh wow this is this is amazing and then um I mean, 60 points must have gone on to win at least another round maybe 2-1-1 for the day uh it was yeah 2-1 followed by a uh uh Sorry, I've... no, 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 no. Uh, followed by a three-nil loss, unfortunately. Oh wow! But see, um, that's just. However, did pull it back with a two-two, and then it was a two-one. Yeah, so yeah, win, win, loss, draw, win. Oh, that's so. that's so good. Uh, Christopher Stevenson with Skaven came in fifteenth. Charles Nurse with Lizardman in sixteenth. Jonathan Base Basey G with Blackhawks. Uh, Jamie Mortimer with Underworld. Gareth Harris. <laughs> with imperial nobility we'll come back to gareth in a minute uh david thompson with orcs aj with amazons richard alderson with necromantic horror orcster with skaven on the day came in 23rd if only you'd run slan orcster uh 24th <laughs> jonathan redman with corn great to see corn on the sevens pitch that's 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 scary um Simon Malpass with Wood Elves, 25. Paul Harmer with Humans, 26. 27, James Fawkes. James Falks with Dark Elves. Uh, Wood Elves with Alex Evans, 28. Lee Doherty with Black Orcs, 29. 30, James Priest with Lizards. Uh, 31, Barry Nixon with Imperial Nobility. 32, Jack uh, Crossbellow Quackers with Necro again. Callum Mills, 33 with Elves. Uh, Stephen Padley. Uh, Dark Elves, 34. David Priest with Chaos Chosen, 35. Chris Crawford, 36th with Orcs. Gary Doherty with Snotlings, 37th, but still taking the Stunty Trophy. Uh, Paul Harrison, McSnagger with Skaven, 38. Jason Thorne with Goblins. Luke Down with Nobility. Jake Homewood with Shambling Undead. Aaron with Amazons. And then Lee Pollitt with Snotlings. And Adam Pike with Nurgle. Uh, didn't go for the fouling times this time, but did win the uh the uh participation trophy so most casualties went to barry with nobility with 10 and dirty player this was great this was great so this was this was this was gareth nobility ian talk us through this so so gareth had the um unfortunateness or depending on which way you look in look at it to uh run into adam um and remembered adam well from day one and uh, uh managed to get eight fouls in a sevens game which was by far and away the most <laughs> howling there was the heat there was a real kicking of the by his nobility team and and you've got to give a shout out he got two fouls with an ogre it was which is a uh, if you're gonna do it, that's that's Commit. how you do it in style. So this was a proper villain origin story, and it was so cool to see this unfold because it just got just a proper kicking, literally the think, day before. I was like, nah, I'm not having this. I'm getting my bone, getting my own back. I don't care if it throws my game. Ogre, everybody's fouling. Uh, just what an excellent way to bring it back. Just that revenge, dirty player. Yeah, Adam. Adam, I think handed the slip back. We just sort of look in his face and we're just like, yeah, I deserve that. 
it was just like you know i i didn't i can't expect anything anything else really you see eight fouls and you're yeah. like oh they're, they're you know they're working hard then you remember that it's sevens uh you're not always going to get a chance to foul and there's only 12 turns and it's like oh okay and then he mentioned uh, two of them with my ogre it's like wow absolute commitment to the cause i i thought it was absolutely superb i love this this is one of my favorite things about these tournaments you get these little stories and it was so good being able to have that carryover um but i mean sevens is a shot of blood bowl and that saturday the tournament hall was packed we had 60 plus players um and it was it was combat and then sevens on sunday four rounds we took away a bunch of tables because we didn't need the double width table. The individual table. I think this was um this was Scarf. Uh, was it Scarf McSnagger? Yeah, it was Paul. Paul who suggested this because uh, we had like double lunch tables across for the uh, full elevens pitch. He's like, don't need them. Just roll one. Then you don't have to lean across. Excellent piece of advice. So we collapsed half the tables down, and it worked brilliantly. Players had more space. And I don't know if it was just because we'd gone through the big day on Saturday because you you, you recognised the majority of the coaches. You know, uh, there was 44 and I think 30-something of them had played on the Saturday. Uh, so you just, you knew where stuff was. You knew who people were. Mm -hmm. We had a bit more time. I thought Sunday was absolutely brilliant. The chill, the story, the gameplay. Uh it's chill from us. We weren't playing. That is very I'm sure true. That was some real. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. that was some real atmosphere. Was, it was so much more, so much more like a, a club night almost. Uh, I think yeah, it people was. knowing each yeah. other, that being a bit closer. Um, no stars, I think, makes a big difference. Um, and I mean, we've seen it with sevens before, but it's a quick game, and you have a bad couple of turns in sevens, and it's it's okay because in forty minutes time you're going to be done with that game and thinking about the next one. Yeah, you're going to be having a bad time yeah. on the next pitch. Um, but <laughs> I thought it was great. I mean, it was a brilliant way to end it. I, I really liked having both the different formats in one weekend. Um, I know that a lot of places do a two day tournament with essentially six rounds of blood bowl, five or six rounds of blood bowl. Um, but I, I just I thought it was really good to have the two different events tied together. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I am massively biased because I think sevens is just the best way to play blood ball. Anyway, because it just it just uh, just I am just convinced of it. But there was palpable gravitas on that Saturday. It was it was a coliseum. It was awesome. It was just an absolutely epic experience. Um, uh, was there anything you think we could have done differently on the on the Sunday, guys? Uh, you know, the tables uh, was it was a good shout. I think it was good. I think the fact we wrapped up early was good, and I think that was well received by quite a lot of people. Um, like uh, it was not uh, while well, we did say having a longer breaks on the elevens could have been really good. I think on the sevens it was good that we did finish early and we didn't have these longer breaks because yeah, lets people get home. Especially people who are like have long trips and catching flights and things. You're and some of the games, yeah, were finished quickly on the on the second day, and people didn't have that long gap. Um, yeah, and we, I think we've got to say a massive shout out to all the players on Sunday. We were seriously worried about having enough pitches to oh, run yeah. the sevens tournament yeah. with that many players, and uh, everyone delved deep into the backpacks and uh, round the cars and found the pitches. 
and uh, Entoyment was raided of anything that approachingly <laughs> looked like a sevens pitch on the stand as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah thanks to all the coaches for that. We had a lot for uh, Sunday, and it really, it really worked well with the the time and effort that the players had gone to the teams and yeah, looking around at the teams out on the pitches for best team lunch was really impressive. Yeah, I took photos of all of them on both days, so I'll put the little videos in over one of these segments as well. Um, I, I really, tournaments are are really interesting for me. the 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 cultural aspect of it is incredible because you've got such a mix of the whys and the wheres. Like, why are people there? How long are they there for? Where you know, where are they coming from? Where are they going? You know. You've got kids, you've got uh, family guys with young families that need to, to, to disappear and can't be there massive. So, you know, our normal tournament thing is, you know, rock up 10 o'clock first round, done by six so you can get back to whatever you're doing. But that, that Saturday, actually, I think if we timed out better because of the BIC, we'd probably end up doing 9.30, 6.30, you know, on the next one to give enough time with a little bit of extra breaks just to make sure that they've got that extra 15 minutes at lunch and that 15 minutes extra between rounds to make sure that everything's okay because it takes a lot longer for 60, 70 players to find where they're going than it does when you've got 30. Like, that's mm -hmm. just a baked-in cost that actually I hadn't considered uh, when we did the timing. The timing. So timing's what we'd normally use for all of our other tournaments, but actually the more... You know, there's there's always a bleed of time. So I think that's something we can definitely learn from. I mean, and then balancing that desire to be there all weekend as a as a getaway versus I can only come to the Saturday and pop down. I don't know if I will ever be able to figure out at the sweet spot um, because it means so many different things to so many different people and uh, just massive props to all the people who travelled for an event and for two days, and it's just so awesome. And I'm really happy that there's so many people that could pop across, and so many people who travelled down. Um, it's just, it's just amazing. Like, it just really is. Um, the first yeah. time I've stayed away for a gaming event, like even when Ian and I went up um... to, um went up to Warhammer World, we were done by like nine o'clock and I was like, do you want to go home? Because we'll be home just after midnight. Okay. And I have a driving problem. So when Tiff and I were due to come back from Scotland, we went to bed and it was like half 11 and neither of us could sleep. And I just said, do you want to just go home? And then we just drove eight hours back through the middle of the night. So I was like, oh, might as well just go now. Um, so, you know, I'm a bit weird when it comes to that. But actually, oh, I don't know, man. After going out having beers with people on that saturday night and being right there at the venue ah oh, it was really good fun and I, it was i'd really like to do that again sometime it was just, i look forward to the next one yeah loads of people in the same place all sharing a passion and everyone was there to have fun and have a good time so uh, really great atmosphere from everybody and uh, hopefully lots of lots of people met new people and uh, enjoy spending time with them. yeah it was wicked now guys before we move on to the last bit which is what's next which will only take a couple of minutes anything else you want to touch on for the tournament weekend we covered a lot of it i think yeah just, yeah, to everyone yeah I, I think well it's, isn't it great to see tournaments of a decent size coming back and no mm. additional rules of tables of six and 
all of those variants that we've been through over the, the last couple of years rules of blood bowl and variants of other things so so yeah. much and now we can start planning these events we can start committing to them we're going to have a lot of fun and that leads to the next segment which is what's next from us so tournament wise for the rest of this year and probably next year this is what we've got coming up so dorset dungeon bowl on the 7th of may is already out there we've sold half the tickets already uh it's going to be at entoyment we're providing the dungeon pitches so you don't need to worry about that you just need to bring a team and it can be regular teams or college teams so if you've got a norse team if you've got a halfling team you do not need to worry about having a dungeon or having a dungeon bowl team you can just bring your standard team so get your tickets booked up for that because i'm i'm really hoping that we i think we can probably i think we'll probably sell out and i think just the prospect of having 40 people playing for a proper trophy the proper dungeon bowl trophy that we're going to have uh is going to be absolutely buzzing super excited for that one then you two are going to be piloting the south coast series so the south coast series is uh it's like a mini beachhead it's tournaments without traders not a, there's going to be some traders but not a huge amount of traders and that's going to be at the BIC in July 9th of July it's going to be an 11s event I'm going to be in Italy on my proper honeymoon um, with the in-laws which is a twist that I was not quite expecting however bless them they did pay so that's fine um, yeah so I'll be in Sorrento so this is going to be you two piloting the South Coast series one day BIC 11s feeling good about that yeah absolutely yeah uh that's 20, 20 weeks to go um yeah i need not really thinking about prep for that it should be good should be good uh, be good be really gonna rely good. on everyone being amazing again so uh, I, I think with the lessons that you know you you guys learned on my behalf for this one i think uh it'll be fluid and i think well you've already decided milton's going to be helping haven't we uh i'm not sure we've told him but uh well he's drunk at a mexican restaurant stuck in scotland right now because of the weather so we could probably yeah. phone him and ask him now um i think well, in he... which case he definitely volunteered <laughs> about an hour and a half ago. yeah good job miltonio banderas then we've got two more events coming up this year after the july one we've got a sevens event on 24th of september at entoyment and then we've got bonehead bowl 22 which will also be at entoyment 26th of november with mixed teams for the first time uh i think yeah first time since this edition's come out so we will get brewing up with those rules um, South Coast and Dungeon Bowl already agreed by the NAF, already approved, already processed. Um, uh, so that is good to go. The South Coast series tickets will be on the Entoyment website because it is one of those beachhead style events. Uh, and I think Pete is going to try and get them up this month because they've got money off for people who played in, in beachhead. Um, uh, all the Entoyment events will be on our website. And then next year, we're planning on doing both days of beachhead again uh we're planning on doing another dungeon bowl event and toyment again we're planning on doing south coast series whether we do one or two days in the summer depends very much on where the world cup is going to be where the blood bowl world cup is going to be and whether or not we can go and whether we do go whether we don't go um obviously guys i would love to go to the world cup for, to play blood bowl i'd really love to go and I do to as well. and do coverage um but i'm also yeah. very aware that there's going to be a load of people who can't afford to go abroad to play blood bowl at the world cup so actually if we decide it's too much it can't be done we have done a really good job of upsetting europe that might make it more challenging for us to travel over it's going to be either france or spain 
um then i don't know we might make the south coast series a two-dayer we don't know when the world cup is going to be we don't know where the world's cup is going to be so we'll have to that will play by ear and then we are planning on having another sevens event and another bonehead bowl event and uh so yeah we're looking at five events six to seven tournaments each year for the next two years at the moment would you also just say with bonehead bowl with it being mixed teams just after dungeon bowl that's a two for one yeah, if you come to Dungeon Bowl with your Dungeon Bowl team, you've got a mixed team ready to go for Bonehead Bowl. So <laughs> you bear that in mind. Basically, yeah. Um, I, Wayne was talking to me the other day at the tournament. He was like, when are you going to do the mixed tournament again? Because I didn't get a chance to come to one and I've got some filthy brew ideas. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm like, well, Wayne, what you need is another good way to win. Um, but no, I, I think I think this is cool. We've got two 11s, two 7s and two sillies which I yeah. think is a great mix. And half of them are in toyment, which is cheap, easy. You order food at the table while you're gaming and they bring it to you. I, I, I blooming love it. And then you've got... Oh, right, oh, it's so good, right? Like We're there at the BIC. We're like, well, we've got 30 minutes. We need to get to the bar and queue and wait for the food and then pay you know, for a hot dog. Uh, and then you're, you know, a couple of months later, you're in tournament playing Dungeon Ball, and you're like, oh, I'm getting a bit snacky. I fancy a cup of tea. Scan the QR code, and Carl will shuffle up in about seven minutes <laughs> with the goods and be like, hello, I've got some stuff for you. It absolutely, it's amazing. It's the best. I love in tournament so much. I, I just, it's just so good. They bring me really? tea to my table. It makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah anyway so we got a ton of good stuff coming um i've got a call with pete as well to test out their wi-fi um soon so that we can uh hopefully i'm really hoping this depends on multiple things i'm hoping we can stream the dungeon bowl event and enjoyment that would be Ooh, primo that would be good yeah we've got two and a half months to get it squared away we've got the dungeon maps good to go we can get them ordered uh, at the end of this month, that gives us two months to do that. We, we're, we're planning out. It's looking good. That means we're going to get to hopefully spend a whole month playing with technology. And it's going to be the same tech that we are using to film the Dungeon Bowl series. So it should align. I'm thinking, guys, that we might use the RPG room either. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, I'm not that sure. Like, good. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I want to do coverage, but I kind of want to keep the... You don't really want to do coverage while you're sat next to the people who are playing because that can be distracting yeah distracting is a very polite way of doing it yeah uh <laughs> but, you know you don't want to be on the telestrator being like oh no he's left it wide open here and just hear them go where yeah. what have i done well i i don't know put the top table down there and uh consistently tell them how close they are to <laughs> to uh racking up the points oh, or that's and the that we can see some coaches sweat yeah it could be it could be interesting but the rpg room even if we one thing i was thinking is actually depending on how entoyments lay down this is what i need to start with pete is if the table the other side of the rpg room oh you got a little oh sorry that's like that's yeah. like dreamer you've got a little announcer booth oh, yes incredible but, uh, we should because of everything we use is all just usb cables for the actual filming yeah assuming they've got standard um like office roof access they may even have i'm assuming that's the best i can do we could chuck the usb cables through the roof we could have the booth set up in the rpg room top tables just next door they're playing a standard game 
we can then cast it from the booth with the feature match table uh okay. yeah but gotta try gotta, gotta go over there in fact trips i'm gonna be in, in tournament tomorrow picking up our war cry stuff so i'll uh i'll be sure to have a nose and hopefully i can have a catch up with pete about hey how, how's your how good's your internet and how would you feel about us using your e-commerce line um probably not good but but yeah we'll see what we can do because that would be so sweet because then everything we do at entoyment we could then stream the bic though really challenging i had a chat with mm. um i think it was alex from the adeptus titanicus crew uh or 40 or 40k adam one of the two and never said actually getting a dedicated decent internet at the bic was like two grand or something uh we'd need a serious kickstarter for that so yeah that would be a bit of a shame the only thing i can think of is that we might be able to find a way to get a 5g hub um to do some streaming but then the volume was so loud in there say the the volume you can you can hear about three people left or right and that's about it yeah, yeah uh, but... we had we had four five hundred gamers in a room playing that's that's it... it's a great noise but it's noisy yeah we'd have to figure out a nice way to do it I, I went even went so far as to have a look to see how they did it for the magic the gathering tournaments they used to do which was like hundreds of you know hundreds of gamers as well significantly quieter game um but they have a feature match area that is just away so they had a feature match area the size of our area for eight matches uh so they could do that stuff and they had a booth that was separate and a different zone. oh my god you know how it could work if we had the corner booth again, we put the casting booth round the corner through that door. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but it's just because if you can't come to a tournament, but we could stream the games, it just, I don't know, man, it would just be so good because I can't always get to tournaments I want to go to because of the real world, right? I'm very lucky. I don't have a huge amount of commitments at the moment, but I do have some. Um and just oh i don't know anyway lots of exciting stuff coming and lots of ben and ian kind of keeping me grounded slash ian keeping ben and ben grounded because yeah i was gonna say yeah. i don't do any favors <laughs> no. no 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 ian you've got a very busy People year and a half counting of time that's i'll i'll, I'll stick to that <laughs> right um anyway i think we should probably wrap up because it is nearly tomorrow so guys thank you so much sorry for the delays sorry for the power cuts uh, and thank you so much uh, ian and ben for all of your hard work for these two tournaments and i think this is a real stepping stone and everybody out there who came to beachhead has come to one of our tournaments before is planning on coming to one of our tournaments in the future the only thing we care about is our players having a good time and if you've got suggestions if you've got recommendations wish lists that's what we want to know about how can we do it better what have you seen somewhere else that's worked what should we be looking at because we just want people to have an immersive and fun time because blood bowl is a great game and if we can make it special on top of being a great game then actually that doesn't exist so let's go make it that's what we should be doing that's the goal here and i really want some great ideas and if you don't give me ideas that are good enough to make ian sweat you're not trying hard enough because <laughs> you know just ben and i got some um but yeah yep. ian thank you so much ben thank you so much guys 
Uh, no problem. Always right. a pleasure. No, cool. Right, we're going to wrap up now, guys. Thank you very much for watching. We'll be back soon with more Blood Bowl content. Happy blocking. Thanks very much for watching. We really appreciate your support. If you want to help support the channel even further, please like and subscribe or come join us on our Patreon. We have early access to content. We get loads of feedback from you guys and we try and do competitions as much as we can. Or you can get yourself some Bonehead Podcast merch on our Spreadshirt site. So if you want to support a team, especially for the Bonehead Championship, you can pick up a shirt, a mug, things like that. It all helps support the channel and we really appreciate it. Anyway, links below. Thank you very much. Happy blocking. <laughs>